Welcome to Talking Jets. My name's Ryan, and I'll be your pilot tonight. I am joined alongside my co-pilots. I've got Greenbean and Matt O'Leary. Greenbean, how you doing tonight? Me? I'm pretty good tonight, man. I uh, I think we got, you know, we're getting to that time where, where the draft is becoming real. It's happening. People are tiring of their mocks, and we just want to get to it. And this is a good time because we're going to... We're going to have a blast at the draft, and I'm excited about it. Oh, you're damn right. Matthew O'Leary, how you doing, brother? Good. 16 days, ladies and gentlemen. One six days until the NFL draft. I feel like a kid counting down to Christmas right now. Um, I just kind of want to know, like Greenbean was saying, like I'm tired of all the takes that are out there on the draft. Like I just kind of want to find out at this point. The anticipation is too much. Guys, before we get into <laughs> right. it, I want to say drop a like on your way in. We got 44 likes, got 150 people in the uh, in the chat already. So thank you guys for hanging out with us. Uh, yeah, look, I'm totally spent on all the trade drama. Are we going to trade for a wide receiver? Are we trading up? Are we trading down? What's going to happen with all these mock drafts? I'm just like, come on, <laughs> let's go. Let's get it. Just tap yeah. the hell out. Um. So as far as uh, some interesting stuff goes, ooh, we got two people dislike the stream. Ooh, who are they? It. I can see. You know, I'll tell you guys Ryan <laughs> can see who you are. You know, we we it can is. see. It's funny. unlike it, undislike it right <laughs> now. It's, uh, it's all right. It's cool. I'll let, it, <laughs> let it sit there in limbo. Uh, but yeah, no. So <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about. I don't know. Did you guys see uh, Chris Sims rankings on the edge rushers? Did you see? Yeah. So it yeah, was he's just. I don't know. I, so I listened to the podcast about it. So it was it was interesting. He had uh, Hutchinson one, Trayvon Walker two, Jermaine Johnson three, Carl Loftus four, uh, Nick Bonito five, Joshua Pascal six, and he had Kayvon Thibodeau uh, seven. And he said he would be a mid to late first round pick, or or you know should be a mid to late first round pick. So and interesting stuff. Greenbean, any thoughts on the order or, or yeah. what's going on? Yeah, I don't know. Like, look, he's he's gained a lot of clout with his quarterback rankings, right? Largely because of the Lamar Jackson thing. I mean, there's been other positives, but that's like the big one. Like, you know, that draft class had the top four quarterbacks, and then Lamar Jackson, Jackson wasn't even considered to be an NFL quarterback. You know, he would have been a wide receiver or running back by a lot of people's estimations. So he had that in his pocket and everybody now gives him a lot of juice, but his receivers last year, he didn't do all that well, if I remember correctly. And now he's looking like he's just kind of, it's bordering ridiculous to me. Now, maybe I'm dead wrong, but it just looks like Chris Sims realized that, Hey man, I can make a lot of money doing this, um, getting a lot of, a lot of, uh, attention. And I think that what he, that's what he might be doing. I mean, having what it's um, Nick Benito is is number five. I think he said right. Like, I don't know, man. I like Nick. I happen to like Nick Benito, but I don't think he's number five by any stretch. And uh, so I don't know. Much. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I just I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> I think a lot of it. I, I shouldn't say a lot of it, but I do think part of it is you know, the shock factor. I think it's like, okay, wow, this is a, the yeah. hottest name. Let's, let's get some clicks, generate some, some traffic. He does back up his points with, with some, you know, 
you know all his notes on each of the players so it, it is worth a listen if if you guys want to take a listen to it but uh nick benito i watched some of his his tape oh my god is he awesome <laughs> yeah i like him i definitely like him more than Kayvon as an edge rusher but not for the jets because he's only a two-point stance guy so like yeah. thibodeau can play both you know three four four three hand in the dirt standing up so i i wouldn't put him ahead of him i would still have thibodeau in my top five um, but I can understand why he wanted to put him there, but I don't understand the, the Joshua Pascal one that, that kind of threw me off. Matt, how are you feeling about the rankings? Yeah, I'm with green bean here. Like I, this guy had a very good, um, run of luck for a little bit on uh, picking out the quarterbacks. And I feel like I would trust him more with his quarterback rankings, but I feel like we're just trying to get a little bit wilder and wilder and try to like continue to hit. Because, like, it's not easy. This is not an easy game. No, right. Trying to figure this stuff out. Um, But if you get lucky a couple of times, then, hey, this guy's a genius. But um, I personally cannot um, put my stamp of approval on that ranking. I I would do it a little bit different. So it looks like uh, B. Trav actually watched the podcast, too. He says, Sims was adamant. Y'all should watch the podcast. Kind of shocking. Yeah, that's kind of how I came away with it. It It was definitely... Uh, alarming he the, the way he presents it is there's no way there's there's nothing elite about this guy's game that's better than the other five guys like there's not one thing that stands out uh, and he went through like pass rush moves he went through you know kind of disappearing a little bit in games um, how he attacks people in space it, it was interesting you know the way he sort of worded everything I, I, it's definitely worth a listen um, but definitely jarring from a you know where everyone else seems to be on the edge rusher kind of train a lot of people yeah. still put Thibodeau in the top one or two edge rushers well listen we can all be convincing if if we want to be convincing we 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 can do it and Chris Sims has enough behind him that if he's convincing it actually carries some weight just to remind everybody last year his wide receiver rankings went like this uh Jamar Chase check Devonta Smith good Diami Brown third best wide receiver in the draft uh, Jalen Waddle, Kadarius Tony. So he has Diami Brown. Now we don't know, like, you know, I'm a big proponent of giving guys three years before we really assess them. But Jalen Waddle is an abs. He's an undeniable yeah. stud. And Diami Brown had 12 receptions last year. So it's, you know, Hey, Maybe it's going to be that way, but I don't know if Diami Brown's ever going to pass Waddle and Tony and some of the other guys that came up, excuse me, that came a little bit later uh, in the draft. And again, this one seems a little bit dramatic for me. You know, the um, Pascal and uh, Nick Benito in particular. And like I said, I've defended Nick Benito before. Um, we were talking about him being a. Um, like you know, a, a, a double up option, and uh, I while I do like him, I don't think I, I agree with you. I don't think he's really all that great of a fit for us. But I do like him. But the the fifth best edge rusher in the whole class, I just I struggle with that. I don't see it. So Andrew drops in with super chat. He says, "How much for the beard? I'll buy it right now." Greenbean, how much for your beard? Because I don't think he's talking about Matt or me and our beautiful peach fuzz. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> How much for the beard? Like, you want me to shave? Like, uh, we got to talk about this. I would say, let's say, I would I would sell the beard for 10 grand. What do you think? <laughs> wow. I think you, you, you got to find a good beard that, that represents you on Amazon and be an Amazon affiliate, and then people can be the green bean for Halloween. Halloween bean. 
Yeah. Halloween bean. <laughs> Fuck yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. Well, you know, I am. I've been working with beard companies for some time on which beard company is going to, uh, you know, officially be the green bean hair care uh, line. I think I have. I'm like, I'm narrowing it. I'm narrowing it down. Um, but, uh, yeah, some products are really not good. And so anyway, I'm not going to promote something I think is shit, but yeah, so we can get that. We can get the Halloween bean going and then you only have to buy it for 1999, man. You don't have to pay 10 grand. <laughs> I love it. I love <laughs> it. Uh, Eddie drops in. He says, give us your top five edge guys. All right. Um, God, I mean, I, th I think it's the same five that we've been talking about. And it, for me, it's not really in any particular order, but it's Hutch, Thibodeau, Walker, Johnson, Karloftis. Like, that, that's easily my top five. I'd be happy with any one of the five at four or ten, whichever one you want to choose. Uh, Greenbean, any difference in the uh, in the edge rushers? Or do you have a particular well, favorite that you want to put one over the other? Yeah. Well, you know what? I have it a little bit different. Like, I uh, I have Aiden Hutchinson up top, and, and I maintain that, even though he's kind of, you know, he's expressed his love for two-point stance, as well, I think that Kayvon Thibodeau is the second best edge rusher, and and there's an argument to be made that he's the best edge rusher in the class. But I'll, let's go Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Karloftis. I like Eba Ketty, and then I like Jermaine Johnson. I'm not buying the Trayvon Walker hype. I watched a lot of tape on this guy, man. I see the athleticism. I see what everybody's talking about, but I also see a guy that stops after his first move is stunted. And I don't like that, man. You know what I mean? That's like one of my bugaboos. Like guys like Karloftis will instantaneously switch from his first move that gets beat to a to move B. He instantaneously switches, and the next play he comes at that guy that's he's starting to figure that guy out. And like there's all that going on. There's like mental chess. I don't see that with Trayvon Walker. I just see a guy who's fast, athletic, and he's gonna try to use it. And when it doesn't work, he starts jumping up and down, trying to get in the passing lanes and all that shit. And that's not what I want. I want a fucking pass rusher, you know? Matt, how are you feel so, about the edge class? Yeah. Um, I'm very similar to uh, Green. I'm going to do mine in like tiers kind of. So I have probably Hutchinson ahead of Thibodeau slightly, but they're in the first tier. And then I have a little bit of a step down. I would put Karloftis three and Jermaine Johnson not too far behind him at four. But then I would have another little bit of a step down, and then I would put Trayvon Walker five, but a distant five for me. And I think it's because he is excellent in run defense, but he leaves a lot to be desired to me as a pass rusher. Um, a lot of it for his rise is going off of um, traits and projection and not really what we saw at college because at Georgia he was lining up more on the inside than he was over the edge. So if you're drafting him fourth overall to be an edge rusher, you are essentially asking him to change positions, which that kind of that kind of scares me. I feel like he is more of a, a mid first round pick guy than someone that I think is a top five pick. See, I'd be happy with <laughs> any one of those guys. I, like if they want to pull the trigger on Johnson, Johnson feels like he's probably the the ten pick as opposed to the four pick. But Hutch, Thibodeau, or Walker, I'd be fine with at four. I really, I think the versatility of Walker is something that would appeal to the New York Jets. Like, he looks like it could be like John Franklin Myers. And if you wanted to play one of them on the inside, one of them on the outside, or flip them at any point, like, you have that flexibility to do that. Um, I, I've also heard people bring up the thought of double dipping at edge rusher at four and ten. 
you know, going, if you go Walker, who can maybe be your uh, D tackle in the future, and then maybe a Carl Loftus or a Jermaine Johnson or, or something along those lines at 10, then you get guys that you can rotate in. Because again, you don't really know what Lawson's going to be when he comes back. Uh, and because we like to rotate through guys, maybe that's a, a an interesting situation. Greenbean, any thought or have you have you heard the discussion about possibly double dipping at edge since it's such a top head? Yeah. Class? Yeah. Let me just say this, though, and I'm going to answer your question. I want everybody to know that the hype, it's really important not to get yourself trapped in the hype trains. Like, there is no good reason for a guy to all of a sudden, two weeks before the draft, after the season, after the combine, after all of a sudden they're rising. And everybody's tall. Oh my God. Like nothing has happened. Nothing has changed. So that's what we call hype. It's what we call smoke screen. We see it every single year. Like a, a good example was remember when the first draft that we did together, it was the, the, the offensive tackle draft for, for us. We, you know, Joe Douglas's first draft and Andrew Thomas coming out of school was the cleanest tackle. And for the whole season, he was considered tackle number one. And then all of a sudden, you know, after the combine, after this stuff, we saw Wirfs is the best tackle. We saw Wills is the Wills is going number one. And then we saw all this shuffling around. And then what happened on draft day? Andrew Thomas was taken first. Like all the shit was, and that, and that happens all the time. So it's just for for guys, they you know they get all psyched up. Like where were all the Walker people a month ago? They didn't exist. Now it's like it's same thing, same thing with same thing with Sauce Gardner after the combine. One day we're talking Traylon Burks at ten. The next day we're talking Sauce Gardner, and nobody wants Traylon Burks anymore. So and it's look, I, I I get it, but I'm just saying for people's happiness, for your psyche, beware. There is this, this stuff is being put out there right now on purpose. They want the consensus to be one way or the other. So. That said, as far as us going edge with four and ten, we were talking about this this week. And I and I got to say, would I say to do that? Probably not. But if the Jets did it, like let's say we got Thibodeau and fucking Karloftis or any combination they're in. You know, uh, you get Karloftis and Jermaine Johnson. I would be so psyched. And I would applaud the move. Now, again, would I say that's maybe the best course of action? Maybe not. And would I do it? Probably not. But if we chose to do it, I would be friggin' psyched about it because it shows a commitment. It shows them saying, putting their foot down and saying, enough. Enough is enough. We are going to kill quarterbacks this year. Now, even if that happened with like four and 35, you know, let's say Boye Mafe slips or Nick Benito slips or whoever they like slips to 35 and they think this is a first round talent and we're going to double up on edge i would not have a problem with it so i would it would it would excite me even though i don't necessarily think they should do it so you brought up the tackles and i wanted to talk about that for a second because i do think all of us were in agreement that uh thomas was going to be the the number one tackle he was the safest highest floor kind of guy but i think most people would agree that beckton had the highest ceiling of that entire tackle class and then I would say right. Werfs and Wills, mm -hmm. you know, had a lower floor, but also had equally as high a ceiling as Thomas. And I, I don't think it would have shocked anyone to see those go the opposite way. And I think you could argue that Thomas was, has not been the best tackle. Like, aside from Becton getting hurt, I would say Werfs and Wills have been the best tackles from that class. 
Um, totally. so yeah, just because Andrew Thomas goes, you know, four or five, whatever that pick was, I, I don't agree with, you know, him being the, t- the top tackle all said and done. Well, no, that's a, that's a great point about where it ends up going anyway. You know what I mean? Like you can only look at somebody for a prospect and what they bring to the table. Now, there's a lot to be said for what the Giants asked Andrew Thomas to do as well. It, you know, there was a lot of that. There were some articles that came out that said they were asking him to do things that were outside of his skill trait. They shouldn't, if they were going to do X, they should maybe have grabbed another guy or whatever it is. But the only point I'm making is about the prospect up till draft day. Andrew Thomas for a year was the was kind of the top tackle and the cleanest tackle. He had the least like boomer bust. He was supposed to just be what he is, but he was a clean, good choice. And when draft day came around, he was the first guy taken because that still was accurate. You know what I mean? Now, again, you could take a guy first overall and he sucks you know what i mean but yeah. uh, it's all about it's all about making the right pick it's the same thing like beckton was the right pick denzel mims was the right pick if they don't work out that's a whole different story but they were the right picks jared drops in says since the jets tried trading for uh tyree kill as well as have been rumored to be calling and interested in other veteran wide receivers like ridley uh dk metcalf amari cooper are we overestimating the chances they take a rookie wide receiver at number 10? Yeah, I don't think they're taking a receiver at number 10. I think the only receiver worthy of the number 10 pick is Jameson Williams. And I, I don't, I shouldn't say that. Garrett Wilson, I think, is worthy of it, but I don't think it's a pick the Jets should make. I think there's enough wide receivers in this class, I would say eight to 10 wide receivers deep, where I would prefer trading back into the first round, getting that fifth year option. And I understand guys not wanting to give up a few picks to move up just a few picks into the first round, but you're saving yourself. million by doing that trade-up because you're getting that fifth-year option added on to that contract. So for me, I really like wide receiver at the tail end of the first. And I think because you saw the Jets offer two firsts and a third, or uh, sorry, two seconds and a third, that implies to me they don't want to give up four or ten for a wide receiver. They're willing to move some combination of those picks. And I don't think they're going to give up all three of those picks to jump up into like the teens or something along those lines. But I do think they'll give up a second and a third or a second and next year's third or a second and a fourth or something along those lines to get just in front of the Chiefs that are picking 29 and 30 and the Packers that are at, uh, sitting at 28. Uh, so I think if you can move just in front of those teams, I think you, you wind up stealing, you know, probably two wide receivers of uh, availability from 35 to that point. Um Matt, what are your thoughts on uh, the wide receiver front? Um, I, I actually disagree. I think it's kind of more um, the opposite of uh, Jared's question because I think it's showing how much of an emphasis they want to put on adding talent and weapons to or for Zach Wilson. They were willing to give up all those assets and then sign a guy like Tyreek Hill. They checked in on Calvin Ridley before that all went down. They They checked in on Amari Cooper. So to me, that says, okay, if you can't get a number one in uh, either free agency or via the trade, then what is your best case to do that? And to me, that would say a pick 10 when you would have your pick of the litter, whichever wide receiver you value the most, more than likely will be available at 10. Um, so I think to, to me, it says, all right, we put that much of an emphasis on making sure that Zach is our guy. So if we don't land one via the trade, then we have to use one of our first round picks on it. I saw a really interesting comment. Hmm. That I'm going to interject real quick before I get Green Bean's thoughts on this. 
And uh, Isaac, one of the members uh, of the channel, says, just read a stat that opposing quarterbacks had a career passer rating of 31.2 when throwing at Sauce Gardner, which is lower than a quarterback spiking the ball into the ground every play. <laughs> That's insane. I didn't realize you could have How? a higher like quarterback rating for that. Like, How is that possible? Spiking. It must be because it's an intentional thing. Like, it's... Yeah, I don't know, Isaac. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Isaac. Yeah, it's an interesting Your thoughts on the, on the wide receiver front? Yeah, well, you know what's funny, man? Um, I have been absolutely at war with Jets fans about the foregone conclusion that we are taking a wide receiver at 10. Now, again, I'm not against taking a wide receiver at 10, but there's a major piece to this draft class that I think people are forgetting when they're looking at the talent of the players that are actually there. We're thinking about it for our needs. And reaching for need is one of the most dangerous things that you can do, and it rarely works out for you, man. So the wide receivers in this class, and, and you guys have heard this before, Jamison Williams is a different story, but he happens to be injured. So you can look at that whatever way you want. He would qualify for a receiver that you could take up top. He's he's um, he's wide receiver one in this in this class, uh, most likely, right? So, but when you look at the rest of the guys, they're really kind of close in potential for their at the NFL level. So there's not one, two, or three that are so much better than the rest of the guys that it's that it warrants taking guys with top ten picks. Remember, the only thing you have to do really. When you have a top five and a top 10 pick is to leave with a top five and a top 10 player. You have to do that above all else. If that's not at your greatest need, then so be it. You have to get out of there with a player that is that good. You need a freak. And that's what you should be getting top five and top 10 freaks. So if you you know shoehorn a receiver in there and they really are a second round talent, you end up getting a guy that's good but doesn't have the impact that you were hoping with a top 10 pick. So if you can get similar value at 35 as you can at 10 in a particular uh, position, then you wait till 35. Like Matt has said, he's a, li a little bit leery of that. That's a little bit too risky. And I respect and understand that. that. He's a yes. little O'Leary of that. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. That was good. I completely missed that. So that's good. Um, but yeah, Working so I do understand. <laughs> yeah, you're getting good, man. Uh, so I do understand that. But again, that's what I think the real focus should be on. Like a lot of Jets fans, they, they literally said, you're fucking nuts. Like you're nuts. It's guaranteed that we take a wide receiver at 10. And again, I'm not against it if they think that's the best. But I'm not so sure, just like Ryan said, I'm not convinced that that's what they're going to do because there are other positional groups with greater drop-off after 10 that period in the draft than the wide receiver group. So let me ask you this, Greenbean, because I know we're, we're both kind of second round or, or maybe move up. I, I know you would like to keep 35 and 38. If you could move one of those picks in conjunction with, I don't know, maybe it's a third next year or a, a fourth this year or something like that, just to hop up a few picks uh, to get a wide receiver. You think it's worth jumping up to get the receiver because you get that fifth-year option. We see how much receivers are going for yeah. right now. Now you got to hope that your receiver winds up you know, earning that type of contract to get that type of benefit. Otherwise you wind up having, you know, maybe an average guy and then you forego a fourth round uh, caliber player on a four year contract as well. 
but do you think the $15 million savings is worth it to jump up and get the receiver in the end of the yeah. first round as opposed to 35? Well, look, there's there's two benefits to jumping up. One, like you said, is the fifth-year option. The other one is that the guy that you're targeting might not be there if the teams like the Packers and the Chiefs are likely to go wide receiver and you're spooked and you think, listen, if I want this guy and this is the only guy I really want up here, then you can do that. But I think that waiting till 35 and not giving away that fourth round pick, it, it, 35 is an absolutely premium draft pick. Like it's such a good place to be and you can get a really great wide receiver there, in my opinion. It, it happens every year. I went through the list. You know, we got guys like Debo, A.J. Brown, uh, all these guys right there in that pocket. The first five or ten uh, picks in the first and sorry, in the second round always produce really good players. And a lot of the time it happens to be wide receivers. Um, now, that all said, you got to look at what the risk factor is. Like, what are you giving up? So you probably need to give the third. I, I would think that you got to give them a third to, in order to jump back into the first, even from 35. But let's say you can give it, you can get there for a fourth round pick. So you give them 111. That's essentially where we got Michael Carter. So you're losing that potential. Like Joe Douglas knows how to use fourth round picks. It looks like the first year he didn't do so good with Morgan and Clark and those guys. But um, last year he did pretty well. So, if you have a GM that's likely to get a good player at that point, you got to just look at that and how you value one over the other. But uh, I'm okay with waiting until 35. Uh, again, 35 and 38 to me are exciting. Now, if they want to use a fourth to jump up because they only like one guy, then I get it. Yeah, I, that's kind of where I'm sort of torn. It's, it depends how many receivers they like and how many go before you start getting to that tail end of the first because, and not to mention if you trade down too, because if you trade down from four or 10, now you have even more picks to kind of wheel and deal. Um, now, personally, the two trades I'd be looking at are the Steelers, which I would hope to get either Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool or the Saints, in which case I would take a receiver at either 10 or uh, well, probably not 10 at that point. I would probably take one at 16 uh, or 19 or whatever their picks are. Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to, to see. Fernando drops in, says, tape don't lie with Walker. He isn't a top five guy. I don't know if I agree with that. I understand, you know, where you're going with that, and the stats don't necessarily match up uh, to everything, but I think what he was asked to do in Georgia is is not what um, he'll be asked to do at the NFL level, and that's a tough thing to try and project, especially with a top five guy. Like, you want to see the production and have that type of, of impact at the position you're going to use him at in the NFL. So, so there's a lot of projection there. Um, but I think that's, that's kind of what the draft is about. So I don't know. I, I think he has shown enough to be definitely in the top 10. And if you think you got, a guy could go at 10, if you love him, I, I don't see why he couldn't be a top five. Like I think top five, top 10 is, is close enough. We've made the argument with the quarterback too. Like if Willis could go at – you know, eight or nine, why couldn't he go at two? Granted, that's a quarterback, so it's a, a little different. Uh, Matt, your feelings on Walker? Yeah, for me, I just don't see it in the top five. I'm not saying that, like, I don't think he's a, a first-round player or even a top 20 pick, but um, for what I think the expectation would be for a top five pick to come in and be dominant right away and have, like, a big impact, like, I don't know, something about the Jets taking him at four 
I, I would fear that the expectation would be too high because, yes, there's a lot of physical traits to like about him. And, yes, you'd be an immediate upgrade in run defense. But I don't think the sack numbers or pressure numbers would be there. Um, and I think, obviously, the, the fan base is not going to like that. Um, and I, I don't know. I just don't – I personally don't see the fit. I think they need someone with a, a higher upside in, um, in the pass rushing department. Vinster. Drops on the super chat. Greenbeat, I'm going to throw this one in your way. Uh, oh, nope, I guess it's going to Matt. <laughs> hey, Matt, any update yeah. on J- Jason Morrow's gold jacket? Yeah, so there's been a running gimmick in my Sunday streams. He's been dropping those ones in. But yeah, um, I, I like Jason Morrow. As a rookie, I thought he was going to be good. And then just he got hurt and then never played again, pretty much. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm the same spot. All right, Greenbeat, this one's coming your way. None of these wide receivers should be taken at number 10. Need to trade back. So, Greenbean, do you agree with Sue's uh, comment? And if so, do you think 10 is a uh, a trade chip? And do you think there is a team that's going to want to come up to number 10? Well, it's interesting. I, I really see, uh, like, the, the, the quarterback market has been really quiet. And I think that's... Um, that's a unified collective kind of uh, pause by the whole NFL. All the teams that want quarterbacks are keeping it quiet. Now, what I see is three quarterbacks, two at least, but potentially three quarterbacks going in the top 10. And I think that once that starts to happen, then our picks become more more valuable, right? So if there's a, let's say there are two quarterbacks taken, Panthers, uh, Detroit, let's say they take their quarterback, and then there are teams like the Seattle Seahawks, the Pittsburgh Steelers that want quarterbacks, and they're going to see their options, you know, winding down, trimming. They're going to start to want to trade up. So I think in those in those instances, yeah, man, it's really you got a lot of potential for trade back. If that doesn't happen, if the quarterbacks are if it's quiet on the quarterback market just because fucking the quarterbacks suck and nobody likes them, uh, then I think it's going to be harder to 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 justify from another team to giving up anything, you know, juicy to trade up to ten. So what do we get? You know, we may, maybe it's better just to take a best player off the board. But I think there are going to be numerous good players that are going to be there worthy of the pick. I just don't know um, how they're going to see it. But I, I to, to answer the question, I think 10 um, is a really good place to trade down because it's right in that spot where you think you got an, a, a good idea of, of how the top 10 is going to go. And then there are guys that are popping there that you didn't think they, they could get there. Rather than giving up the whole farm to trade up to three, now you can trade to 10. It's more of a realistic trade, and it becomes something that they're more likely to consider. I can understand that. My my concern is that the three quarterbacks, like if two go before us and they're trying to get the third guy, like is there that big of a, a jump up to get, you know, Howell or Corral or Ritter or whoever they deem is the, the third guy? Because we, we kind of assume Willis and uh, Pickett are the top two. Like for me, I think four is like the one you want to trade back for. Because then you probably, like you could probably get the Steelers first next year. You could probably get Claypool. So, so, you, so you solve your wide receiver, or maybe not solve, but you at least have an option at a young player at wide receiver. And then you have pick 20 to add that, you know, maybe it's a center, maybe it's a, a you know, a, a linebacker or something along those lines. I, 10, I don't know what you wind up getting. Like, I think you get maybe 20 from the Steelers 
and then maybe Claypool. Like, I, are you able to snatch a first from them next year? I, I don't know. I, if you could wind up with a first in 2023, then I think I'd be pretty pretty happy with the uh, the trade down yeah. to 10. Um, yeah, well, look, man. Well, look, dude, teams, teams that want a quarterback and they think that a guy is able to be that quarterback, they're willing to do crazy things. They We see it every year, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not unrealistic. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Yerd says, currently in the hospital, post-spine uh, operation, uh, oh, wide receiver God. at 10, by the way. Well, Yerd, we hope you're feeling better. Hopefully everything is uh, is all, well, I guess it wasn't all right. Hopefully it is all right now. <laughs> Um, and yeah, look, a lot of people are going to want wide receiver at 10. I think that is the most popular thing. When we did our poll, uh, yesterday in yesterday's stream, the edge at four wide receiver at two linebacker, and then uh safety where, where that was kind of the order we wound up going. So, uh, you're not alone there. Uh, Vinay Pillay says, love the show. The Jets fan base deserves better than the BS we've gotten this past 10 years. Yes. A hundred percent. And I would say, you know, the, I, I feel so bad for the season ticket holders that have had to pay the parking passes and have had to sit through the traffic and have, you know, really, you know, not that we haven't given it our all either, but those guys have really devoted tons of time not watching other football games, donated a bunch of money uh, to, to kind of see a, a lame duck sort of production by the New York Jets. And I think we have the right people in place from, you know, Joe Douglas on down through our scouting department with Robert Sala. I do think Zach Wilson, while, you know, he's still raw and young, He's the type of quarterback you want right now, especially in the AFC when you look at all the other quarterbacks around. Um, like Mac Jones, while he had a better season last year, like I'm sorry, I'll take Zach Wilson's potential over what Zach over what Mac Jones is right now because you're never going to win anything with Mac Jones. Zach Wilson, you could win a Super Bowl with. Matt, your thoughts on the Jets fan base and how we deserve better the last ten years? I mean, yeah, no playoffs, one winning season over that span. Um, it's been brutal. Um, I hope greener pastures are ahead. I too am confident young quarterback. Um, I think he is primed to take a step forward in development. If they continue to add pieces around him on offense and make his life a little bit easier, I think that would go a long way. And I hope he leads us to the playoffs and a Super Bowl. That'd be a ton of fun. And I'm with you, man. I went, we went to one game last year, or at least I went to one game last year, and it was yeah, awful. Same. <laughs> I, well, awful. The Jets got blown out, and there was a four-hour drive home to go 30 miles. It's stupid. <laughs> Creepy. Any <laughs> thoughts about the Jets fans deserving better? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of my whole platform. You know, it's like, <laughs> shit, man, we definitely deserve better. And that's the thing, like, where, from my standpoint, it's why when you have – guys that could be good that are clearly like they know how to do this thing. My stance is like, we should stop screaming for everybody to get cut and fucking fired every 10 minutes because there's literally no way that we're ever going to get what we deserve. If we don't have somebody here and allow them to build something, we're always screaming, you know, one year, two years, fire everybody, cut on me sucks. Like, so I think we're damaged and that's where we are. So if we can calm down and be a little bit more patient, Maybe we'll get what we uh, what we deserve. But hell yeah, man. You look over our draft history or our, anything, it's like we're a laughing stock, really. When you just look at it in like a capsule, what we've offered the league and our fans, uh, this, this organization has been a damn joke. And it sucks. 
Joe drops in and says, we need star talent, draft for upside. That's kind of what a lot of people sort of deem the draft uh, to be. You go with the the really boom prospect, but the, it depends on kind of where your team is in their building you know, stage. Like for me, I do think that, you know, Thibodeau and Jameson Williams, if you want to scare teams, assuming teams are, are scared of Thibodeau and you're not taking Chris Sims rankings too, <laughs> too seriously, then I think those are the two wow players that, that could really scare a team. Like Jameson Williams is going to take the top off. He's the best receiver. He's got amazing yak ability. Um, so if you're going for that kind of boom, just like, you know, Makai Becton was, just like, you know, maybe you say Zach Wilson was like with the arm strength and, and you know, the off-platform throws and all that. Uh, so I agree, Joe. I can completely agree. Uh, Shane drops in, says, thoughts on getting Sauce and Hamilton with picks 4 and 10. Also, if we traded down with the Saints giving them pick 10, who would you guys take at pick 4, 16, and 19? Uh, if we trade down with the Saints, I think we'd probably have to kick in, like in order to get 16 and 19, you're probably kicking in one of the second round picks or, you know, some other type of picks. I don't think you're just able to get those two first to move up to number 10. Um, but if I had to make those picks, first off, Sauce at four, love it. Only if we get an edge at 10. I don't like Sauce and Hamilton together. I would be very, very leery of that. I think our defense relies way too heavily on, on edge rusher to forego that in the top 10. It, it, one of those two picks must be an edge rusher. Um, so if I were to go four, 16, 19, I would go whoever your best edge rusher is at four at 16. I would go Jamison Williams. If he's there, if not, you know, maybe you wind up going with someone like a Linderbaum at 19, you go Nicobe Dean, and then I would trade back up into the first round still. And I would get our receiver just before the Packers and before the chiefs at the tail end of the first, Matt, what are your thoughts on Shane's, uh, comment here? Um, the first scenario is my nightmare. Sorry, Green Bean. I know you're a big Kyle Hamilton guy, but that just I, I would not I would not handle that very well, um, just because I don't for me, I, I get it. Great. Both those guys are really great prospects, but I just can't wrap my head around this team with their defensive system, putting that much resources into the secondary. Um, so that'd be a no from me. But on the trade back option with four, 16 and 19, I would look at something like Kayvon Thibodeau at four. Um, if Jamison Williams is there at 16, take him. I don't think he will be. So if not, I would say either Chris Olave or Traylon Burks would be my pick there. Um, and then at 19, I would look at Nicobe Dean. Um, I think being able to add an edge rusher, a linebacker who can cover and a wide receiver in the first round would be an absolute haul. Um, you could also sell me on Linderbaum at 19 too, by the way. Um, yeah. and then at that point you, you could then cut Connor McGovern, and move on and maybe, you know, find, I mean, find sellers towards a player who gets cut. Yeah. And realistically, you might be able to trade McGovern too. Like I, his deal is so cheap considering where his talent ranks as far as like a top 10 center and, you know, the contracts that people are getting. I think it's a $9 million deal if he's traded. So I, I think you could get a mid round pick for him. So I, I do like the idea of going center. There's too much smoke around the Jets, you know, interviewing Linderbaum, going after Jensen, going after Bozeman, going after, uh, or at least having Zion Johnson take snaps at center. I, I do think that's a, a very realistic possibility. Uh, Greenby, I want to get your thoughts on this as well. Well, it's funny. We did a, uh, a mock last night, the 10 o'clock mock, and actually you guys will be tickled by this. Mutt Viles was my co-host because he's a tier Ooh. three beanbagger. 
Uh, so I give that to my <laughs> tier threes. But yeah, Muff Files, he was awesome, dude, by the way. But that's exactly the trade that the poll picked. It was, uh, we actually got. For four, we got 16, 19, and 98. That's how that's how it broke down. So, and we ended up taking um Jermaine Johnson as the edge, but then we got Jamison Williams and just like Matt said, uh, uh Linderbaum. And I thought, like, even though it's not necessarily the way I might do it, I was very, very happy. If we came out of the draft with those three players, I would feel like we did a damn good job, man. We addressed uh, with some premium style guys, some real holes. I mean, Linderbaum obviously is, he's not, you know, we got McGovern and everything, but he's going to be here for a long time and it'd be uh, really happy. So that would be a trade I would consider. I wouldn't do it just for 16 and 19. They, they, they got to give something else if they want to come up. I know that the value works out very closely, but again, if you want to jump up from 16 all the way to four, you gotta, you gotta bring something, and I, and I expect Joe Douglas would do a good job in getting that value. As far as Sauce and Hamilton, like I, I've, I'm really thinking that cornerback is the least uh, needy position on this team. Now we might like Sauce Gardner as a player. I know I do, but um, as far as going cornerback it's just like it seems like it just seems counterintuitive to me now if he's leaps and bounds the best player on your board and you can't get a trade down and you're just you're okay i understand it but stuffing sauce into our defensive backfield just feels like we're gonna have it's just uh, it doesn't make sense to me i don't think we need to do it and i could see those resources getting used elsewhere as far as hamilton if we came away with an edge rusher in hamilton that would literally be best case scenario for me i maintain that hamilton would do amazing things for this defense and believe me it would just take about six games and everybody would be saying i fucking always wanted hamilton i loved him you know it would all happen but uh but we got to get an edge rusher first. If we did sauce and Hamilton, like Ryan said, I would be disappointed. I want pass rush. That's what this defense needs. It's priority number one. I'd rather see two pass rushers than two defensive backs. Jay Perez drops in and says, did you guys see Chris Sims evaluation of KT? Ignore the rumors as he did. He is very critical of his fundamentals. Your thoughts? Yeah. So a lot of the, the talk about Kayvon Thibodeau's drop or fall from, uh, I don't want to say fall from grace, has been centered around his his character, possibly his maybe taking some plays off, things around uh, that nature. Uh, and for me, I like enough edge rushers where I would just go a different edge rusher than him, personally. But the way that Sims broke it down, and for those of you that are just tuning in now and didn't get to hear our earlier conversation on it, uh, Sims's rankings was Hutchinson 1, Walker 2, Jermaine Johnson 3, Karloftis 4, uh, Nick Benito, five, Joshua Pascal from Kentucky, number six, and Kayvon Thibodeau, number seven. And he basically says there is nothing that Kayvon Thibodeau does better than the top four guys for sure. And number five is probably, you know, at, at least in space, Nick Benito is absolutely better than Kayvon Thibodeau. I can, I, like, I'll say that after watching just a little bit of tape on the guy. Um, but it's interesting. It's, it, it's, it's, it's very interesting about the way that he goes into Thibodeau. And I'm just concerned that he's doing it for clicks and not because he's genuinely truthful about it. Now, it did come off authentic. Like, it, it didn't feel forced. So I do encourage you guys, if, if you're interested on this topic, to go watch that particular podcast because it, it was really good. 
Uh, Green Bean, I want to get your thoughts on this. Well, to be clear, I like Chris Sims, and I, and I, I think that he does a really good job of considering – you know, even though I do agree, I do think that this is kind of dramatic. I think that generally speaking, he's not shooting for the dramatic. He's a football guy. And I like listening to guys that seem to know what they're talking about. Like, I look, I don't know everything. And I there are lots of guys that I listen to to help with my own takes, you know. And Chris Sims, I'm, I'm a fan of his, if I can say it like that, even though I'm not really a fan. But you know what I mean? It's a, a kind of a fan. Um, as far as these edge rushers, like last year he had Jalen Phillips up top and it just so happened that Jalen Phillips went first. Now, uh, I haven't kept up. I don't know what his stats looked like uh, last year, but I like Jalen Phillips a whole bunch. But I think that where it gets dangerous is that there are GMs out there that do consider what the other experts are are saying. Mike McCagnum was famous for that. Whoever the consensus number, that's Mike McCagnum took him every time. Like that's his, that's how he rolled. He's very impacted by other experts because he's not an expert himself. So we happen to have experts. So I don't, I'm not too concerned about this impacting us, but I think that Chris Sims is uh, where it becomes, you know, for lack of a better word, dangerous is where my, my fellow Jets brethren get all upset by things um, that are said out there. I just don't want to see anybody get their feelings hurt. That's what it boils down to me. <laughs> Right. Let's jump over to NY Lozo. Then we're gonna head over to Wrestling Answer. You got you guys dropped in some some pretty nice super chats, uh, and then we'll we'll jump back in the line. Uh, NY Lozo drops in says, "How do you guys feel about Sauce Hamilton Dean? Can definitely fall. So I guess he's saying maybe at, at 35, and then Steel Ojibo uh, at 38. Ojibo was top tier edge before the injury. Same way Randy Gregory was." No KT, we want players who want to be here. Yeah, I do think that the, the Jets have put a lot of emphasis on character, and if there's any fear that the character, you know, is an issue with, with Thibodeau, then I think you, you have something there. I still don't want Sauce and Hamilton, uh, you know, back-to-back, and I certainly don't want an Achilles injury that we already are dealing with with Lawson, with Ojabo as well. Um, I love that N'Kobe Dean falls with 35, and, you know, all said and done, if Ojabo works out to be a great edge rusher and you compare with Lawson, then, you know, that's gravy. But I think that's so risky of a, of a thing to ask, especially when you have so many good edge rushers at the top of this draft. I, I just can't take a guy with an Achilles injury. Matt, what are your thoughts? Um, I have a question for, was it my lasso or an NY lasso? Yeah. Um, in Hutchinson's dropping a podcast with PFF this week, does he not want to play in the NFL too? I, I just uh, ah. there seems like a there seems like a double standard here where like KT is getting mm. banged up for caring about his brand and then Aiden Hutchinson's doing his own podcast series. Uh, and to be fair, like I'm not hating on Hayden Hutchinson for it. I think every single athlete in the world should use their brand. It's a very big tool uh, in today's world. You know, building a brand and having you know making yourself marketable and stuff like that. So I just think there's a double standard that I don't really care for. And with Ojibo, I genuinely don't think he makes it to the second round. I think someone takes him at the back half of the first round, hmm. like maybe the Packers with their second first round pick, or maybe like the Chiefs with their second uh, first round pick. But I would be pretty surprised if he makes it there uh, at 38. Green Bean, your thoughts on... Uh, well, it makes such a good, Matt makes such a good point. And I want to just tell everybody, as much as I disagree with some of Matt's takes 
uh, a lot, you know, from time to time. He is so correct. Like, remember, Matt put out a funny tweet recently. It was when Sauce said, I'm the best, whatever it was. I'm the best in the world. And Matt just said, if Thibodeau said this, it would be perceived as a negative. I don't remember how you said it, but yeah. And I agreed. I agreed with it, man. I was like, exactly, dude. Like, I think we're micro analyzing this Thibodeau guy. And just like Matt said, it's not to say that I have any issue with Aiden Hutchinson doing a podcast, but. Why is it such a double standard out there? Why is Thibodeau going through this gauntlet where other guys aren't for similar things? It's just, I don't know. I'm not seeing, again, is it worthy of taking a look at? Yes. You want to make sure the Jets are meeting with Thibodeau for the third time. They're going to uncover it. If it's there, they're going to uncover it. And, and I like it. So definitely take a look, but I'm not seeing it on the surface. Everybody's like, "I ah, he's undraftable," or "No way am I taking him." Why? Because he talked about his brand. I I don't I don't know. He's in a fucking interview. He didn't have a football helmet on. He's just talking. He's just hanging out. You know what I mean? I don't yeah, get it. Look, I, if if you're comparing Sauce saying he's the best in the world and he just absolutely slaughtered every quarterback that he went up against, and Kayvon Thibodeau has seven sacks in a season, like I'm sorry, like I think Sauce is the better player than Thibodeau. Not necessarily at the position of need, but I think, you know, I do think Sauce can back it up with the stats where KT can't, and I think KT has the the clout of being the number one recruit coming out of high school, but I don't think he necessarily proved that worth in the pack, you know, conference. I think that's. You know, I, I do understand what Matt's saying with the whole Hutchinson thing and, and Thibodeau. And, you know, I, I'm i not sure where it goes that way. I, I think, hmm, I don't know. I, I, no, I understand. And I don't disagree with you. I'm just talking about the critical analysis on that end. You can like mm -hmm. sauce more than Thibodeau. Like I said, like... I watched a lot of Thibodeau tape. I, I really did, man. I wanted to see for myself. And I like I see him disrupting plays more than the actual stat line comes. And like I hate to lean on that. I do. It's very similar to what we're doing with Carl Lawson. Like he doesn't get any sacks, doesn't get any tackles behind the line, but he does pressure. But the truth is, is that does impact the game. There were there, there there were lots of things that happened because of KT's disruption of the play, and he is a dominating guy. Um, now that said, is Sauce better at his position than Thibodeau? There's an argument for that, and I'm not even debating that. All I'm saying is that it seems like on the personal side of things, and I think this is what Matt's saying, and that's what I'm agreeing with, is that it just seems like Kayvon Thibodeau is held to a different standard than everybody else. That's what it Correct. feels like to me. Well, Correct. I think he That's did. The, he, was the, he was the number one recruit coming out of high school, and he compared himself to, you know, Jadavian Clowney, who was, you know, underwhelmed in the in the NFL. Lots of penalties. I think his top sack numbers were ten. Like, I, look, I nine I'm sorry, and a half. I just, I, yeah, like I like. There's a lot of really <laughs> good edge rushers in this class, and I I would just rather go any of the receive uh, any of the edge rushers. Where like corner, I think Sauce is like way and away the best there. And then, you yeah. know, Stingley, if healthy, you know, probably have an <laughs> argument with. But um, I don't know. I think that's sort of my thought. The, the Hutchinson KT thing is an interesting one. I, I don't know. I, I don't get the same feeling when I listen to the two of them. But I, I think that's probably not the right way to think about that either. Uh, Matt, it looks like you had something to, to rebuke there. Um, I just I. I don't know how where this came from because it was only that last little bit, that one interview where he said, um, you know, and talked about his brand where things began to change uh, and these narratives about his play 
began to come into play. This was someone for the entirety of the regular season and after bowl season was a top one or a two pick. Um, so I just, I am confused why, and like Greenbean said, it's because he's held to a different standard. Uh, at least in my eyes, he is. I think Aiden Hutchinson should be held to the same standard. Or actually, no, strike that. I think Kayvon Thibodeau should be held to Aiden Hutchinson's standard, which is, oh, cool. He cares about, you know, his brand and making the most out of his opportunity. Um, I don't know. I just think it's a flawed way to look at it. Now, is there any thought to, like, KT's fall a little bit, not about the brand, but also like, hey, we're done with the season. You have time to to go through the interview process. You have time to go through all the tape. And after watching the combine, like these are all measurable tools that you're kind of going through the whole offseason with. And you start to see the KT dip, you know, a little more recently than than the actual football season. So I don't know if it's necessarily the brand thing specifically, but he's brought it up like a lot, <laughs> like more than any player that I can remember. Um, I, I don't know. It just, it, it feels feels like you're, you're running into a Jamal Adams kind of player in, in my opinion. And that's okay. a concern. I, I hear you. Yeah. But then so look, but, it, but if you're seeing that, that is definitely worthy of consideration. Like that's the thing you can, you, you can have those concerns, but when you, but does it take away when you like a player, their physical attributes, their stats, whatever it is that you like about a player and they're on the field, when there are the concerns that they like to smoke a little grass on the weekends, they like to do this, they like to, whatever it is that are your concerns, you should definitely consider them. And my whole point with while I think I'm agreeing with Matt is that I think the things that we have brought out as the big concerns don't seem like that big to me. That's all. I just don't think it's like, eh, okay. That doesn't seem like that big of a deal. When if Aiden Hutchinson said it or even Sauce Gardner, like look at Rashawn Gary. I mean, he literally had fucking brought his his um his uh what was it? Like his logos and shit. He wore his clothes and all that shit. Nobody said anything about him. You know, it's like, oh yeah, good for him. You know, Gary Athletics or whatever it was. And so I don't know. It just seems like Thibodeau's being held to a standard that I don't think a lot of guys are. Uh on that the best. Chris Miser and Jose, we'll get to your, your super chats in just a sec. Wrestling drops in with a $20 super chat. Thank you, brother. Seriously, means yeah. a lot. Uh, this one's going to go to Matt first because I know he's got to get out of here. Shout out to my guys, Ryan, Matt, and Greenbean. I don't normally get to catch you guys live. Glad to support the team. All about edge rusher at four, wide receiver, or trade down at 10. Keep up the great coverage, team. Matt, any thoughts here for wrestling answer? Uh, sorry, I had to get rid of a spam comment, so I was just going <laughs> to... There you uh, go. All about the edge rusher at four. Waters. Okay, um, I'm in agreement. That's my preferred plan. I would like to go with an, the best edge rusher available at pick number four, and I'm good with taking the your receiver that you feel most comfortable with at 10 because I think it's most important that you put Zach Wilson in a position to uh, succeed. Um, so I would rather take my swing on my favorite receiver rather than trade back and hope and pray that my receiver makes it there or settle for my third or fourth option. So Matt, I know you got to get going. Any last words for our panel? Uh, I can't wait for the NFL draft and I am very much so excited to just be done with the take era of leading up to the NFL draft because, uh, it's getting a little crazy around here. All right. So Matt. You have been injected. You're out of here. Get out of here. Let's fire it again. <laughs> Boom. Chicken. Two chickens. Three chickens. You're out of here.
See you, boys. Is, <laughs> Later, man. Easy, brother. <laughs> That's oh, a first. Right. I don't think anybody's ever gotten three chickens. Oh, I don't think anyone's got. Holy three shit! Chickens. Not at all. <laughs> well, Matt's um, deserving. <laughs> he deserves the chicken. Uh, all right, Green Bean. So this goes over to you. Shout out to my guys, Ryan, Matt, and Green Bean. Uh, he says all about edge rusher for uh, wide receiver trade down at ten. What are you thinking about this? Uh, hold on. Uh, I'm sorry. Nah, it's all right. Take all right. your time. Wait, where are I was? Yeah, I'm sorry. Right, let me look. So what about wrestling's answer? Wrestling answers uh, question? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I agree. It's all about edge rusher. Here's the thing with wide receiver, I, and, and hopefully people can hear me. I've expressed this idea dozens of times, and the response, they seem to be hearing I don't want a wide receiver or I don't want to I don't want to help Zach, but that's not what I'm saying. Let me just express this. If like what Matt just said, if you have a receiver or two that you think are far and away better than the rest and you're sitting at 10 and you know you need one, you might want to take that receiver, get your first choice rather than wait till 35 and and see what's left. If you have groupings of wide receivers where you have four or five guys that you would be happy with any one of them. And believe me, that's what they do. They create categories and tiers. So they have groupings of players. Now, if they have four or five wide receivers and they all, they'd be totally happy with any of them, then you wait and you take a player from a position group that you don't think is going to, that you only have one guy in that group, if it's Sauce, if it's uh, Devin Lloyd, if it's you know whoever, if it's Linderbaum, if it's Trevor Penning, whatever it is, you can you can look at it that way. So my whole thing is when I look at this wide receiver group, I see more of a pack than I do the last two years. Like when you saw Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, um, even Henry Ruggs, who I didn't I didn't love. I liked them, but I didn't love. But I had Justin Jefferson up there, Lavisca Chanel, Pittman. Like I saw. The three players up top, Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, and Judy, and then I saw a pack of wide receivers that I would have been happy with any one of them, Chenault, Mims, um, uh, Pittman, and, and yeah, right, all those guys, um, Ayuk, uh, Reno, all those guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, Van Jefferson. So I would have been ha- – and I think that's exactly what we saw, you know, and like, you know – now, again, it can work and it doesn't work. But again, that's how they go into the draft. They don't go into the draft thinking, well, last time I took a wide receiver, this happened. So I got to take. That's not how they do it. That's not how good GMs do it. They look at this class as a singular item and they factor it into what's going on for the team and where they are in the progress. And they look at tiers. So if they have wide receivers in a pack, which is what I see here, I see more of a tight group of wide receivers. Like if you get Garrett Wilson or you get Jahan Dotson, you're going to be like, okay, well, I'm, you know what I mean? Now, if you love Garrett Wilson and don't like Jahan Dotson for one reason, then yeah, go ahead and take your guy and you're at 10 for a reason. You know what I mean? Get the guy unless you think that this positional group, you can get the same talent at 35. If you think you can, then you roll it and you take the positional group that you can't get at 35. That's, that's the whole point. Uh, Jeff yeah. the best says KT at four. If sauce or Derek Stingley are there at 10, take them or trade back with the saints and get Dean trade 35, 38 and one eleven for Debo. But I do think Drake is so good. Um, I don't want to touch Drake London really like I, unless we see him really explode at his pro day, I'm concerned he moved 
it back because of the injury. And I'm, I'm hoping that's not the case. Um, KT at four, no problem. Stingley or uh, Sauce at 10? I could get behind. I really could. Uh, Stingley scares the crap out of me, but him running a 4-3-7 kind of eliminates the, the list Frank injury for me. Um, so, I, you know, he's probably back in the discussion at that point. Uh, trade back with the Saints. Love it. Would love to get N'Kobe Dean. I think that's how you have to do it is with the Saints or the Steelers trade down. Um, trading 35-38 and 111 for Debo, I would do it for sure. Um, but I think you wait until Traylon Burks is off the board. Like, I think Traylon Burks could be our Debo Samuel without having to give up those three picks to facilitate that. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. Greenman, what do you think about uh, Jet the Best's comment here? Uh, or Derek. I mean, KTF4, if Sauce or Derek, Derek Stingley. who? Stingley. Yeah. Are at 10, take them. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I don't like Derek Stingley that high. Um, I know somebody's going to take him. That's great. Let them take him. He comes to the Jets, it's going to be D. Milliner all over again. That's I'm, I, that's that's all I see. All I see on Derek Stingley is D. Milliner. That's it. I can't get past it, and I hope the Jets see the same thing so we don't do that. Um, now, trading back with the Saints and get Dean... Uh, you know, trade 35 and 38, 111 for Debo. I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't, I don't know about any of this stuff. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. What you got there? You got some sort of drink. So, what are you doing? So, so I'm drinking flower power <laughs> or I was drinking flower power and, and Bali. So she's hanging out with me cause Becca's at her friend's house watching some show. Um, so Bali and I are hanging out. She's my co-pilot wherever she is over there. Hey, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's chilling. Um, well, she was chewing on something. I was like, oh, she's chewing on a piece of the foam. We had a cat stay with us, Becca's sister's cat, and it was like scratching at my, you know, sound foam behind my computer here. Uh, and I was like, oh, she's got a little piece of foam. Let me throw that out. And I picked it up as a stink bug, and I was like, oh, that's disgusting. And I was like, I don't have my garbage in here because I'm using it next to the bathroom that I'm working on right next door. So I have a flower power that I finished, and there's a stink bug somewhere in there. So uh. don't, call, don't call PETA on me because this bug is... A little flower powered up right now. <laughs> Gross, but now She's my room drinking. smells like now my now my room smells like a stink bug. Uh, uh, stink bugs right. are the worst. Oh, they're terrible. Chris they really Kaiser are. drops in, says Williams one. So we, we talked to I talked to Chris yesterday on my call in show. He says Jamison Williams at one, Pickens at two, but in the second, as far as his top wide receivers, Olave three, Wilson four. And I'll be honest, look, I don't hate that talent evaluation. And I do think Pickens in the second is uh, a better value than, say, Traylon Burks at 10 or, or Drake London at 10 or, or something along those lines. And uh, Greenby, I'm interested to see what you think about this particular top four, especially with Pickens being the number two, but, you know, saying you take him in the second round. How do you feel about this? So are you saying that like these are his his top four receivers or does he it want is. us to take yeah so, so yeah he I'm... says he says Pickens at in the second he thinks Pickens is the second talented receiver, especially being able to get him in the second round like that like the value for Pickens in the second round puts him at number two, in his want list I think is is what he's trying to get at. Um. Well, I, I I think well, Jamison Williams is is a great wide receiver. I mean, I think he's he he has he he concerns the living shit out of me, man. It's not just the ACL. There's just a lot there. Now, is what I felt the same way about Devonta Smith 
And not that they're exactly the same, but he seems to be doing okay. So maybe the concerns are unfounded. But if we took Jameis and Williams, if they felt good about the about the uh, the injury and all that stuff, I think that would be fine. You know, okay, great. You know, now Pickens is another one. He's actually my favorite wide receiver in the draft. I, I just love his style of play and everything, but I wouldn't necessarily want to see them take him because of the injury stuff. I mean, he's he's another one, man. Um, now, he has more of a systemic injury problem than Jamison Williams, who had that one. So I love Pickens, but I again, he spooks me. Uh, we're the Jets, man. We have bad luck, and uh, and that's the way that it goes for us. So now, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I think we have seen the Jets tied to Williams. We've seen them tied to Garrett Wilson. We've seen them tied to Traylon Burks, Drake London. We've heard nothing about the Jets being tied to Chris Olave. And he came in for a visit. I think that's on purpose. I think it's by design. And I think that Chris Olave just might be the Jets' number one wide receiver. And if they took him at 10, I would applaud it. I love Chris Olave. Ooh, yeah, he had like 14 touchdowns this year, too. And Garrett Wilson, I think, and he looked, 13. Yeah, and he looked good last year. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's he's got the production, man. And uh, I, th- I honestly, I think, isn't that, isn't that weird to you? I mean, why it wouldn't, is. I mean, he, he should be in the conversation, but he's ominously not. Why? I think it's because you have Garrett Wilson on the other side. And I think it's because you're in the big 10. I think, I think that's the issue for some reason. When I look at like, uh, CD lamb from a few years ago, and I look at Alave and Garrett Wilson, like, I think lamb was like head and shoulders above those two. Um, right. And I don't. I think that's where Olave kind of falls short, and he could have come out last year, chose not to because of the the stacked wide receiver class at the top three uh, up there. So I, maybe there's a little bit to do with that. I, I don't know. It's interesting. I think there's there's something to do with like the amount of space they're given in that type of offense and that conference in in, in general. But I'm not sure. I, I do think that there is something to what you're saying with Olave. Not you're not hearing any whispers, but they're talking about him. I don't know if it's due diligence. Or if it's like, hey, this is this is who we want. Uh, so it's gonna be interesting to see. Uh, Jose yeah. says, "Oh wow, Matt has changed his tune on Jamison Williams." Uh, so I wish Matt was here to be able to hear that uh, this comment. But uh, look, Jamison Williams, especially now that you're seeing him work out, I think there's a lot less fear of him potentially, uh, you know, busting or not being healthy. Like the fact that he's doing these high knee workouts. You know, it doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot because the ACL is a lateral injury, not a, you know, straight up and down or, you know, up and down or straight forward uh, type of injury. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of shakes out. Uh, Elliot Orr drops in and says, I feel like the Jets need as many good players playing as possible. Getting sauce doesn't make sense since we wouldn't, uh, since we would be benching Hall. So Elliot, my thoughts here and it depends how the Jets feel, because if there is any truth to what DJ Bienemy was talking about, where teams after games were telling players, hey, we were going to target Hall because he wasn't going to make a play on the ball. We had no fear of him intercepting the ball, so we're going to throw his direction every time. If that's the case, who gives a shit what happened with DJ Reed? Like, yeah, you signed a guy for $11 million, but we're still targeting, you know, Bryce Hall. If there's any truth to that, then yeah, Sauce or Derek Stingley or McDuffie or, you know, whatever the cornerback is, is absolutely a need. Now, I like the upside of Hall, and I think Hall's contract compared with DJ Reed's contract, I think they're they're almost in direct competition for a second contract. But Reed is clearly our number one, and I think there is 
some thought to saying, hey, look, we need to upgrade at least cornerback two. Bryce Hall would be a fine cornerback three. We're going to see four and five wide receiver sets, especially in this AFC that we're dealing with right now. So, it, like, yeah, you have Michael Carter. You have uh, DJ Reed. It doesn't hurt to have more good corners. It just, I, I understand the thought process of not going sauce because of the devaluation of the cornerback position. Like, look, Jalen Ramsey's getting smoked, and he's arguably the best corner in the in the game. So, Greenby. Yeah, it seems odd. It, it seems well. It seems funny. He was tied for I think it's fifth in the NFL in passes defense. So I don't know how many people are walking over to DJ enemy to tell him how they were going to target Hall or 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 whatever. I I just I don't know. I don't buy anything that these guys say uh, because it rarely comes true. So there's that. But dude, Bryce Hall had 16 passes defense last year. He largely shut down guys like Jamar Chase. Um, you know, like, and that was his first year in the system. Yeah, you, you, well, we have to Jamar remember Chase that. Chase dropped a touchdown, like, like on on Brandon Eccles, on Brandon Eccles. Yeah. So, I'm just saying, he covered him all if, game. If, if they wanted to have him cover Chase, they could have, but they keep him on on their yeah. own sides. I think I, I don't right. like that personally. That was the Asama argument against Revis like years ago. Well, but the thing, I'm just talking, I don't, look, as far as what the defense is called, they had Jamar Chase on, like, uh, they had Hall covering Jamar Chase, and he caught almost nothing. When he dropped that touchdown and had a couple other receptions, it was on Brandon Eccles, who I happen to like as well. But I'm just saying, like, I don't see, whatever this bullshit is that Bryce Hall can't play, I'm not seeing it. And again, we're talking about a guy first year in the system. And he looked great. 16 passes defense. He's tied, I think it's fifth in the NFL. So, I don't know. You want to target the fifth most passes defense cornerback? Fucking go ahead and target him. He's going to stop it. Like, he didn't get the picks, and that's a that's a legitimate gripe. You can gripe at that if you want. But he still stopped receivers from catching the ball a whole bunch of times last year. And uh, I don't know what it is that people would say that Hall isn't a good player. I'm not seeing it. Tony drops in, says, we've waited a long time to be a com- uh, to be competitive again. I want to take a 10, or I want to take a 10, the best available, oh, at 10, the best available wide receiver, so we can evaluate Zach. Worst case, we'll have a great base to build on, not interested in trading down. So I understand that, and I think Greenbean and I are both kind of on the same page as far as the, the depth of of the wide receiver class and our lack of love for a particular wide receiver in this class. If the Jets love a receiver and they think he's not making it to 35, he's not going to make it in the event of a trade-up, and they, they think he is the guy, by all means, take it. And I think Greenbean and I are both on, on that same kind of wavelength here. But in a trade-down, you're building up more around your team. And I do think if Joe Douglas ends up hitting on a lot of the players outside of Zach Wilson that he should get the opportunity to make another selection at quarterback. I don't think that, you know, as much as you want to tie him to the number two overall pick, there's so much more with contracts, with culture, with uh, undrafted free agency, with trades, with all these things that Joe Douglas has done. Um, I think he could could do that. But I, I think you can get a fair evaluation of Zach in this offense without going receiver at 10, especially because you're talking two tight ends, are going to be top targets for us. You got Michael Carter. 
you have Corey Davis, you have Elijah Moore, you have Braxton Berrios. So at best, this new wide receiver coming in is jockeying for for reps with all those other guys. Uh, so Green Bean, your thoughts on on waiting so long and, and wanting a receiver at ten? Yeah, well, look, this is the thing. I I've brought this up a lot. I think we talked about it maybe last week. Like the Jets haven't taken a first round wide receiver since Santana Moss, and before Santana Moss, it was Keyshawn Johnson. Like we've only taken two first round wide receivers since 1997. Two. So I get it. Hey, man, who doesn't want a a dominating wide receiver? You know, a Des Bryant in his prime, a Randy Moore. Who doesn't want these guys? We all do. The problem with it is that if you're fishing in a pool that doesn't have any trout mm-hmm. and you're going to try it, there's no fucking trout in there. You're not getting. So if there's no great wide receiver in here or it's less mm-hmm. likely that all the talent, you're just as likely to get the same talent at 35, then you shouldn't force feed and reach for need. That's that's the whole dangerous thing. I want a first round wide receiver. I wanna I want a great, I want Zach to have that guy that no matter who's covering him, he gets the ball. And when there's a running play, he's laying out cornerbacks. And I want that guy too. You know, everybody wants him. The problem is if he's not there, you don't pretend somebody is there. So you get the, the highest tier of talent that you can with what's being offered. And uh, so, yeah, I think it sucks that we've waited this long. Look at how bad our organizations are. But, like, conversely, we, we've we taken, like, eight defensive tackles at the same time. Fucking how many linebackers? Like, it's, it's crazy. You know, it's crazy. But that doesn't mean that we should take one this year if they don't feel like the wide receiver is a top 10 player. Jorge drops in, says KT was top three in quarterback pressures. It's more than sacks. Interesting. So yeah, look, that that's uh, we've we've talked about a stat on here, and this was a few years ago, but uh, pressuring the quarterback takes your quarterback rating, and forgive me, this is a, a dated stat, but it takes it from a Big Ben quarterback rating we're talking about in his prime to a Blaine Gabbard when you when you put pressure on him. So that's the type of value that pressure on a quarterback can have. So I completely understand that. So there look, Jorge, there's absolutely a situation where this is a ton of smoke screen and we're just trying not to have uh or maybe the Giants are trying not to have the Jets make KT the pick at number four so that way he falls to number five or number seven. Uh, I think it's entirely, entirely possible. Mike Saunders drops in and says Trevor Lawrence said there's more to life than football and no one flinched because he's a quarterback. The quarterback just had no. They flinched. They, they oh, flinched. They flinched. They weren't going to move off of him from the number one overall spot because he's a well, quarterback. Okay. Like, look, right? Like, that's just it. Like, even if you get him for ten years of of generational quarterback, like you did Andrew Luck. Now, granted, if you knew Andrew Luck was going to retire at twenty nine or whatever he was when he retired, he's probably not the first overall pick. But the talent was a hundred percent there. Um, what are your thoughts about Trevor Lawrence saying this, and you know, no one? flinching or maybe not as many as KT. Well, we don't know if anybody's flinching. All we know is that the press and the fans are flinching. We don't know. Let me tell you, last year when we were doing the Zach Wilson is better than Trevor Lawrence thing because we were at two, remember that whole thing where, where everybody's, and then Chris Sims came out and said that Zach was the, was a, 
best quarterback in the whatever he did. Um, so we had Jets fans that were trying to make Zach Wilson into the best quarterback prospect in the last 50 years. We that that was what was going on one year ago right now. Uh, we we were saying that Zach Wilson was a hybrid of Patrick Mahomes and and uh, Aaron Rodgers, and he's going to throw for 4,500 yards. So the Jets fans that were were involved in that, trying to make Zach Wilson actually the better quarterback prospect out of Trevor Lawrence, were using that exact thing. Trevor Lawrence doesn't care about football. If the going gets tough in three years, he's going to be gone. And I saw articles about it too. Should it be a concern? But like you just said, He's such a good player that it didn't work. And now we think teams are flinching on Thibodeau. We hear it from the press, but we don't know if any of this shit's real. Like, we literally don't. Kayvon Thibodeau could still be the number one overall pick. We don't know. The Jacksonville Jaguars might just say, KT, that's who we want. And so did anybody really flinch, you know? So we don't know. Mm -hmm. I think it's just, you know, again, I, I agree with what Matt said. I think Kayvon Thibodeau is being held to a different standard than uh, a lot of other people. Now, that could come from he was the consensus number one overall pick for the entirety of the college season, so it was just a mm -hmm. foregone conclusion that he's the guy. And maybe a lot of guys, excuse me, a lot of people want to tear that guy down. So I, I don't know. But, um, again, I'm not so sure people like teams are actually flinching. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair point. Uh, NY Sports MC in the chat taking care of a uh, little moderation stuff. Thank you, brother. Much appreciated. There you go. Always keep oh, yeah. you over there. Look at him. <laughs> deleted, deleted, <laughs> deleted. I love it. Uh, Johnny P drops in with Super Chat. Says, my opinion is that the edge and wide receiver are the same. No obvious elites. Uh, lots of second round, late first types. Don't make the mistake we made with Sam and Mark. So I think this is my argument as far as the edge rushers go. Like, I do think there are five elite edge rushers in this draft class, uh, or at least top end, where, where you can take them in the top 10. And that's why I'm a little more okay with going sauce at four, or, you know, you know maybe another direction, or trading down and taking your edge at 10. Like, that's kind of where I'm at. Now... Would I wait till the second round to get an edge? No, absolutely not. Wide receiver, I do think there's value in waiting till 35. Because like Greenbean and I said, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, the guys we're talking about trading for, all second round picks. Michael Thomas, right. second round pick. Like lots of really good receivers, not in the first round. And if you can get one in the second round or maybe late first, have him for five years and then trade him away, uh, for additional capital. Like, look, DK Metcalf could fetch two first-round picks, potentially. Uh, Debo Samuel can fetch multiple second-round picks. Uh, I think that's absolutely a huge, huge uh, thing for the Jets to do. So, Greenbean, I want to hear your thoughts on this as well. <clears throat> well, you know, it's uh, it's funny. You know, it's like um, when you look at, uh, you know, edge rushers versus wide receivers or, um, you know, people are going to say, what they see, right? So like, they're going to say that this position is stronger or that position is stronger. Generally speaking, when you look at the overall evaluations of draft classes, the we've been pretty on, like with the overall, obviously it gets much more difficult when you go into the specific players and prospects. There's so many variables. And then when you add, you know, just bringing them to the NFL, the team, the environment. There's so much going on that could lead to a guy being 
you know, a great NFL player, a good NFL player, or just a complete bust. There's so much there. But when you look at what a draft class is offering, it's kind of it's not as difficult to see. Like when you see that there are positional groups in each draft class, like a draft is stronger in this positional group. It's much easier to look at the guards versus the edge rushers and just look at what that group is offering and say, no, this is a strong edge rusher class. And the guards, maybe a couple of them will be good, but they're more developmental. You can see that. Now, that doesn't mean one guard out of that developmental group isn't going to come in, land in the right spot, and fucking dominate. It happens all the time. But when you look at about it, like, overall, when you're talking about first-round types versus second-round types, so many players that are in the second and third and fourth round, they end up being great from the word go. Well, why why didn't anybody know? Why didn't you take them in the first round pick? You know, with your first round pick, if he's so much better than because there are there are reasons for that. Maybe it's a size thing. Maybe it's a, you know, um, a, an, an injury thing or whatever it is. But there are reasons. But a lot of the time, the, the guys you have with first round grades and third round grades, let's just say first and second, they're this close. There's, there's two points on a, on a numeric scale that separate the two. But what we're trying to look at here and what GMs are trying to look at, obviously, is they're trying to get to the, 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 the reasoning behind somebody is a better prospect than someone else. They have X, Y, and Z, which has led to guys being good in the past. This guy, like you said before, I forget what it was about, but you said we're, we're, we're looking at like – um, what he could become, not what we've seen so far. So guys where it's like what they could become, you start to lower their, like if they don't have the production, you you drop them around. And it doesn't mean that they're not just as athletic, and but you see one guy, he's got the tape, one guy doesn't, just as an example, and that's what separates the two. But dude, if you know how to do this thing, and Joe Douglas looks like he does, where our GMs in the past were accountants, they didn't know how to do this, when they you you have a guy, he knows how to evaluate those guys. He's going to get gems in the second. He's going to get gems in the third and fourth round. We've already seen it. And uh, that's what separates the really good teams like the Ravens, the Steelers. Dude, they've been getting fourth, fifth round uh, steals for decades. Where the Jets, we can't even hit on our first round picks. So that's the whole, I know that was a little bit longer of an answer than maybe you were hoping, um, but uh, that's kind of what I have for that right there. AZ Jets drops in. He says, dream scenario, trade back from four to the Saints. George Karloftis or Jermaine Johnson at 10. I feel like one of those two will fall to us. I do agree. I think one of those guys will absolutely be there, if not both. Uh, Jameson Williams at 16. I think there's a risk he's not there. Uh, we did a mock draft the other day, me and Richie, and I think uh, Williams went seven to the Giants. So I do think there's a fear that he could go in the top 10 uh, before 16, but mm. he's there at 16, 100%. I love it. And then Linderbaum or linebacker at number 10 or at number 19. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I, if I could get my edge rusher at 10, you get Jameson Williams at 16, and you get Nicobe Dean or Linderbaum at 19, or even Zion Johnson at 19 to play center, you know, green light, 100% would absolutely love it. Green Bean, what are your thoughts here? 
Uh, to, to say, yeah, I, I like the idea of the trade down with the Saints. Um, I do. Again, just for 16 and 19, I don't love that. There would need to be some sweetener. It's like I love sure. coffee. I love coffee with cream, but I really love coffee with a little sugar. And you know what I mean? It's okay. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a little bit more. But just to be able to, like he said, dream scenario, trade back for uh, grab Karloftis or, or Jer, uh, Jermaine Johnson. Um, and then he feels like one of those two will fall from us, uh, Jamison Williams or Linderbaum. Again, like I'm going to say the same thing about Linderbaum as I did when we were talking about him with our four, our, our four or ten pick. Remember that 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 was a real thing for a while. People were just as passionate about Linderbaum at ten or four even as they are now with Sauce at four or whatever. So I'm going to say the same thing. If we end up grabbing Linderbaum, I'm going to be happy because he's a damn good football player. But is that the way I think we should go? No, because we already have a center. I'd rather see us get a center in the third or fourth round and let him sit for a year behind Connor McGovern and then come in, you know, having a year to learn the system. But if we ended up taking Linderbaum, I'd be I'd be like, okay, man, we're 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 stacking good football players, and I believe him to be a good football player. But it's not really the route I would go. So I wouldn't say that's my dream. But having 10, 16, 19, and maybe 98 as their third round pick, I could I could I could live with that, I think, Ryan. Chris, uh, now he's Adding on to his comment from earlier about his his wide receiver ranking, he says, by the way, I'm still all for grabbing Jelani Woods later, like the fourth or fifth round now. His value, I feel, rose a little bit. Uh, yeah, I don't know where his value winds up being, but I do think tight end in general in the fourth, fifth round is a huge sweet spot. Charlie Kolar is going to be there. Cole Turner is going to be there. Jeremy Rucker could be there. Jelani Woods could be there. Like, for me... The value in tight end in the third, fourth, fifth round is way higher than Trey McBride at the top end of the second round. Greenbean, your thoughts on the tight end class? Well, you know what? Uh, this is known as a pretty deep tight end class, but it's also not a top-heavy strong one, right? Like, mm -hmm. and I and I have to say, I thought that the Jets would be a little bit more in love with a few tight ends, namely the ones that they had in the Senior Bowl, um, McBride, Ferguson, some of those guys, Kolar. But the fact that we signed two in free agency, two, not one, that's not exactly speaking the same language. That's not saying, oh, yeah, we love this tight end class. It's really saying we might not like this tight end, tight end class that much, and maybe they grab one later if they're going to do anything. Uh, that said, I happen to like a whole bunch of them. Now, there's no Kyle Pitts. There might not be a Pat Fryermuth. There might not be a TJ Hawkinson or a Noah Fant. But there are lots of guys that are going to be very solid. And don't forget, man, guys like Kittle and Cole, most of the really good tight ends in this league, they're mid-round picks. They're usually mid-round picks. So the thing is with tight ends is that a lot of teams don't value them really high. So you'll see one or two get picked in the first round. So what does that do? It pushes them all down to the second round. Then you see one more in the second. What does that do? Now you only have three tight ends taken from the whole class and you're in the third round. That means that you're going to get one of the top tight ends in the class in the third and fourth round. And that's what happens every single year with this position. So you really, unless you love a guy like a Kyle Pitts, you know, there's most of the time there's no need to take a first round tight end. Uh, like I would have used a first round on Fryermuth last year because I love him. 
Um, but uh, again, I think this class, you're going to see a lot of good players come out of it, but they're probably, you're, they're not going to start going off the board till the, maybe the second, third, and fourth rounds. Uh, before I get to Mudvile Super Chat, uh, I, I had a good chuckle of this. Jerry says, Ryan got some Dr. Evil vibes right now <laughs> stroking my uh my hairless cat here yeah uh, bali is my uh so fun fact bali not molly not bali or whatever bali b-a-l-i uh we got bali because becca and i had to delay our wedding uh, and our honeymoon was supposed to be at bali and uh, and singapore so unfortunately we weren't able to do that we wound up going to aruba just a year later you know covid and all that good stuff uh, Muttfile says, Ryan, you're making me miss my dog. LOL. I can't go near her right now. Go Jets. Uh, I don't know why you can't go near her, but, uh, yeah, Bali's hanging out with me. I actually, while Greenbean and I were out in Arizona and I don't know if I sent this to you or not Greenbean, but I actually got a dog jacket for Bali that has co-pilot <laughs> stitched on it. And it oh, was nice. way no, I didn't too see that. perfect. It's hanging in our like stairwell going downstairs. So I'll have to have it at some point. I just wasn't anticipating her to be all, uh, lovey-dovey <laughs> right now uh let's see chris drops in chris says i uh, a question that i don't know uh, a question that i'm not so sure about does williams fall to 35 i would be so upset if we passed in the first but extremely happy if we got him at 35 no shot i think williams has shown he's healthy enough to start doing physical activity where he might be healthy for the beginning of the season and I do think that um, <laughs> this dog is just, come on, Bali, what are you doing? Um, and I do think that teams have shown they don't care about the ACL injury. You saw Godwin and you saw Gallup get $60 million this past year. Uh, I don't think teams care about the ACL. I don't think there's any way he makes it to 35. I think he's a top 20 pick all day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I you know what's funny? A month and a half, two months ago, I thought that he would slide. But I, don't, I think you're right. I don't think there's a, a snowball's chance in hell that he's there in the second round. I really don't. V-Man drops in, asking a question for Greenbean. Greenbean, you listened to Pink Floyd. I did. I listened to it uh, last night and today, V-Man, so thank you. Very interesting song with a Ukrainian lead singer. Um, and it was, uh, I liked it. I mean, get, look, it sounded like Floyd. It sounded like Floyd, V-Man. You got the Gilmore shredding going on. So I was happy to see it. I appreciate that that tip, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's tough to listen to a song in another language, of course, but I liked it nonetheless. Thomas Cahill drops in. He says, "Only pick, or sorry, pick only top ten picks in the top ten. If not, trade down." Yeah, Greenbean and I have kind of well, Greenbean more specifically has been saying that in the top ten, you got to come away. When you have the number four pick, you got to come away with a top five player. At number 10, you got to come away with a top 10 player. And for us, wide receiver, there's so many of them that are good that we think you can get a top end talent that you don't have to take at the top 10 slot. So if I could go with someone like an edge rusher and a sauce or a Derek Stingley or a Hamilton, like I would have no problem taking Hamilton at 10 if you got your top edge rusher at four. Same thing, if they wind up wanting to pull the trigger on, say, N'Kobe Dean or, or Devin Lloyd at number, uh, number 10 instead, we have a luxury of being able to, I don't want to say reach, but maybe reach a, you know, a touch, like a guy that might go 12, 13, 14. Like, if you want to take him at number 10, oh, what do you want to 
don't lick the microphone. That's not how that works. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Look, take take the top ten players in the top ten. Greenbean, your your, your thoughts on this? Uh, let's see. We'll pick only. T- yeah, I mean that's kind of been my mantra, right? I mean, like when it when it all boils down, like we all like one player over another. We like different things, and we think we see different needs and all that. And that's all well and good. We should be able to have a nice, calm discord and disagree and be cool with it. That said, at the end of the day, the one thing that absolutely must happen is you need to leave the top five with a top five pick and you need to leave the top 10 with a top 10 pick or a trade that justifies you moving out of a top four, five or top 10 pick. So what does that mean? Well, that means another first next year. It means some second round picks, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I think that's underneath everything, all of our preferences aside, that's what we need to come away with. If we do that, you know, and start stacking drafts like that, we're going to be fine. Darrell Revis drops in with a super chat. What's up, Revis? Uh, says if we go all defense with the first four picks, would you guys pick best case? Uh, who would you guys pick best case scenario? Is there a way we get KT and sauce? Yes. So I think there's a, well, I guess if you're talking about Chris Sims, then yeah, maybe you go Sauce at four, KT at 10. But I think it's more realistic that you wind up going KT at four, Sauce at 10. And then if you're going into the second round and you're not thinking wide receiver, which I think is a major uh, tactical error, I think you have to go receiver in the top two rounds. But if you did have to go a different round or a different route, I think you go with the edge rusher and safety. So so let's say you go uh, edge rusher, Sauce, um, Christian Harris and uh, Jaquan Brisker like that. That's probably the top four, um, at least position groups that I'd probably look to target. And those are players that I, I do like. So uh, Greenbean, where do you think the Jets would go if you did go defense in the top four? If we, yeah. Number one, I want to say, I, I don't think that we're going to do that. Um, although we went offense with the first four picks last year. So, and again, this seems like a stronger defensive class. So look, they're not afraid to do it if that's Mm -hmm. the way it goes. So if we do go defense with the top four picks, I think our pick 69 would probably be a wide receiver. Um, but it could go offensive line too. Like people forget, like we're all, you know, horned up for our first round picks. But it's like the sweet spot for offensive linemen is like that third to fifth round. That's where you get the guys that uh, that are going to end up being starters for you. You know, obviously you can in the first and second too. I'm just saying, traditionally speaking, most of the the offensive linemen they you know you find them in the third to fifth rounds. That's just you know it's uh, it's not that hard to do. So I would I think we'd start seeing some of that. But wide receiver, I think we're going to bring in another running back this year. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they went a little bit earlier than we think, depending on how the boards fall and everything. Um, but yeah, I think wide receiver would probably be the first pick uh, at 69 if we didn't take a single offensive player in the first four picks. Disregard Papa drops in. He says, thoughts on Jamison Williams, if the Jets pick him not playing the majority of his games his first season maybe not even playing the entire first year. Uh, I don't think he wouldn't play his entire first year, especially now that you're starting to see him already working out. Uh, I think he is. So the the type of ACL surgery that he had, he actually had a brace installed on the inside of his knee, which is, you know, different from how they've handled ACLs in the past. So maybe there's a little more confidence on his part. 
because generally speaking, the ACL takes about eight to nine months to heal, but it might take a year for a player to really get over the mental side of, of an injury like that because they're afraid to juke in fear of that knee kind of buckling. And if they think there's a brace on the inside and it, you know they're that much stronger, then maybe it's a little different. Um, now, with the Jets, what's the, the benefit here is, yeah, you have them on a five-year contract, but also... The Jets have two tight ends that they're that they just signed that they're looking to use a lot. You have Michael Carter, who's going to get a bunch of touches. You have Corey Davis, who had a great relationship with uh, Zach Wilson at the beginning of last season, aside from the drops. Elijah Moore and Barrios both created a great chemistry as well. So you can have an argument saying that, hey, look, a receiver could sit out a while, and it won't necessarily impact how the Jets, you know, perform this year. But at least you have an elite talent you know, moving forward. And I like Jameson Williams. I would take him in the top 10. And I, you know, in a trade down situation, if you wind up falling to say 16 or 19 or something along those lines, I would hundred percent snatch him up there. But I think he's, you know, right around that number 10 pick. I think he's a top 15 pick, top 20 pick. Green Bean, your thoughts. You know what I think? I think that um, if we do decide Jameson Williams is our guy, mm-hmm. I think that actually is a vote of confidence for Denzel Mims. That's what I think. I think that they'll be comfortable enough with, uh, you know, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Braxton Berrios, Mims, um, to in the interim while Jamison Williams gets kind of up to speed because he's more than likely going to miss time. I mean, you know, all this stuff, he's uh, he's moving, you know, he's, he's, he's healing quicker. He's doing a great job. That's all good news. But we still, I mean, more than likely, he's going to not be 100% at minimum. Uh, at the beginning of the season. So he's probably going to miss some time and you want to see them take it slow. You don't want to rush him back. And then and then he exacerbates the situation and ends up missing a whole year or something. But that's how I that's how I see it. I think if we do choose Jamison Williams, I think that it would be a, a, a at least a slight vote of confidence in the potential of, in their minds, of uh, Denzel Mims coming back. Uh, real quick, Yo, It's Vin says, give the dog pets with both hands. So so right now I'm going to go over and I'm going to give Bali pets with both hands because I think she wants to go outside and see if Becca's here. Um, so come on, Bali. Look at, oh, look at that. How excited are you? Yoitz checking in, telling you how to pet the dog. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Yoitz. See? Yoitz. Now, Bali- <laughs> now Bali doesn't want to hang out with me. Mom is home, and she's got to go go hang out with Mom. Uh, where were we? Mumtaz. What's up, brother? Mumtaz says, I don't care for athletics. Big game fetish. We got young ascending players who are good. Their best football is ahead of them. Big respect for Joe D. All right. Um, I'm so that's that, little... that's that article that came out, right? Or that clip, uh, whatever it was. Well, that blurb. I need you to fill me in because I have no idea what he's talking about here. All right, let me read it to you. I actually just made a video on it, so I'll I uh, I'll get you the little thing here so you can hear the whole thing. How's that sound, Ryan? Yeah, absolutely. So um, here's uh, it, it here's what was said on the Athletic. Uh, an NFL executive told Mike Sando that the Jets were in on a ton of guys and got nobody, including Tyreek Hill, who chose the Dolphins over the Jets when Kansas City granted him permission to seek a trade in March. They don't have a selling point to players right now, the executive said. 
people don't know what to think of Zach Wilson. Players don't necessarily covet playing in that market. And guys who have choices tend to wind up elsewhere. They are they are in this weird purgatory. New York this offseason has signed second and third tier free agents like Tyler Conklin, CJ Uzoma, and Lakin Tomlinson, and, and safety Jordan Whitehead, while failing to land a splash free agency signing despite plenty of cap space. An improved performance from Zach Wilson in 2022 would go a long way in luring big-name free agents to the Jets next offseason. And here's the parting shot. It would be exceedingly difficult for Wilson to be worse than he was as a rookie. So it's a really negative take on, on really, I, I mean... Like he said, like we didn't land any big name. Well, number one, Lakin Tomlinson was on everybody's short list for one of the top two or three uh, guards in free agency this year. He made the Pro Bowl last year. So, I mean, how far can you fall in that period of time, right? So now he's a tier two free agent. Fine. Another take said that the Jets went about this in a calculated manner. I put that in my video as well. They didn't go out there and overpay the big splash guys. Like this article would have been really happy if we paid um, – you know, Brandon Scherf, $16 million a year, That would that have qualified? Would that have made you feel better? So, um, oh. again, you know, I'm not you. I'm saying the guy yeah, in the yeah, article. No, I got you. you know what I mean? I got yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so what Mumtaz is saying, and I don't care about the athletics big-name fetish, we got young and ascending players who are good. Right, and I think that's by design. Like Salah said in his interview a couple weeks ago, he said, we don't have any players here that we overpaid to be here. Everybody here chose to come here. Now, if that means you can't get Tyreek Hill yet, so be it. The truth is, is we won six games in two years, okay? We have a fan base that if you have one bad year, we'll fucking attack you on Instagram and call you fat and lazy and tell you you're a bust. So, I mean, I could see it. We're going to need to win some games in order to get the marquee guys, but I think that Joe Douglas did a fucking fantastic job in free agency being very calculated on who he's trying to get. We did a good job in free agency, in my opinion. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, dude, after <laughs> hearing that article, look, I completely agree with it, With the, with aside from... Look, I don't want to go after the big names. I don't think Joe Douglas wanted to go after the big names. Yeah, he wanted a big name wide receiver, but look, Tyreek Hill wasn't going to come here, and I completely agree why he didn't want to come here. Look, the taxes are a lot of money. You don't know what you have in Zach Wilson. And look, Tyreek Hill has a home in Miami, so it makes sense for him to want to go back there. So for me, he, they're just kind of saying stuff that makes sense. Like, like we are paying the jet tax for people who want to come here. And look, there, there's a thing. The media... That is absolutely a detractor for why people don't want to come here, you know, depending on how much it is. But look, if you had the option to go play for, you know, Green Bay or something like that, or the Jets, like, yeah, I'd much rather deal with the media in Green Bay and play with Aaron Rodgers than play with Zach Wilson, who's an unknown, and you're getting whacked with the media, you're getting whacked with, you know, New York, New Jersey taxes. Like, I can completely understand guys wanting to go to Texas, Arizona, Florida, because they're going to make so much more on top of that with the cost of living being way less as well. And it's kind of a weird hurdle that the Jets have to overcome. But if you have a good quarterback and you have good players and you have a good coach, we saw in 2009, 2010, when the Jets were going to those AFC championship games, New York City is buzzing. And guys that were on those teams, LaDainian Tomlinson, Tony Richardson, uh, Bart Scott, those types of guys love New York. Like they were 
absolutely other teams' players prior to being here, but they are lifetime Jets because of the, the, the surrounding atmosphere. If you win in New York, you are king of the country. Like, that right. is, you, you are top of the game, but guys don't have the mental fortitude to deal with it, and a lot of guys don't think the Jets organization right now is equipped to pre- present that type of, uh, of uh, impact on their careers. So I, I can understand... Joe Douglas not wanting to overpay guys. Look, we have wanted the big name guy for so long. We wanted Le'Veon Bell. We wanted, uh, I don't know, insert any, Tremaine yeah, Johnson. TJ Mosley, right. Yeah, okay, dude, yeah. It's blown Go. up in our face. Get the second and third tier guys. Build your team from the inside. Build the culture up the right way. This is how you rebuild a team. I trust in Joe Douglas. I trust in Robert Sala. I love what they're doing right now. And I hope to God that they don't blow it up because a couple <laughs> of fans are a little butthurt about stuff. Uh, and, and look, I, I think you're right, Green Bean. I think it's absolutely correct in what they're saying, but also like, look, I didn't want Sheriff. I didn't want some of these top tier guys because of the reasons you and I just stated. So, yeah. Uh, completely well, it's wrong. like, hate. it's like, uh, Kadoza said in the chat, when we do win, we're going to be insufferable. And I think... Mm-hmm. It's going to be 2009, 2010 on steroids. You know, we oh, had a dude, full we've decade. We've got channels now. We're going to be yelling oh. at people. <laughs> oh, dude, you thought the Patriot fans were bad? Just wait till we start winning. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm going to be like, I'm going to be the most obnoxious <laughs> Jet fan you will have ever met. Like, I, I've been bottled up for the last five years or four years of totally. doing this channel. I can't wait to rip loose. Dude, that's such a great point. We have been bottled up. Like, think about it. For two years, you and Matt have come on my Jet Nation live stream for the games. Mm-hmm. Like, three or four times, you were able to come on in a good mood. Mm-hmm. We're always miserable, dude. Like, when we actually do win, like you said, we have channels and shit now. Oh. There's, like, there's, uh, you know, the Jet Lounge on Twitter. We have the infrastructure now. When we when it's going to explode, we're going to take over the world, I think, when we start winning. We're going to fucking ruin everybody's day. Damn right. <laughs> and I'm all about it. Chris drops in. He says, I don't think he slides, but if we passed, I would hope uh, he would like Elijah Moore. L-M-A-O. I'm just dreaming at this point. Uh, so Chris was saying prior to that, let me see, let me see, let me see. He was talking about Jameson Williams falling to 35. Look, if he did, that would be amazing. And I I don't think he falls that far, but I would absolutely, absolutely love it. Um, B. Trav drops in with a super chat. Says, is it me or is this a crazy draft year? Is it because we have four high picks? I'm in. Uh, I'm on the edge of my seat this year. Do you guys feel the same way? Love you guys. B. Trav. We love you, and I love your pants in that in that uh, picture right there. So if you guys are not looking at it, he's got Star Spangled oh, yeah. Banner pants. I think it's amazing. Is that him? Uh, Is that B Trav? If it's not, it's someone who who absolutely should should be friends with us because I love the Americana. He's wearing <laughs> the shit out of those pants. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, look, this draft. Look, last year's draft kind of hit us with a wet pool noodle. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, because everyone knew what number two was going to be. Myself, Matt, and Greenbean, right. we made draft video because we were we, look, we were doing the live stream for the draft. We knew Zach Wilson was going to be the pick. So all of us queued up our videos. We're like, okay, we know this is going to be the pick. You know, drop it while we're live. Like then, it, it, you know, it, it gains some traction, whatever it is. But this year at number four, we don't know where the Jets could go. They could go any number of routes. At number 10, they could go any number of routes. Like we do expect number four to be an edge rusher. Number 10, 
coin flip. Could be wide receiver. Could be edge rusher if we pass on the fourth round. We could trade out of the fourth round. We have two early second round picks. Last year, we traded two third round picks up to get Elijah Vera Tucker, which was super exciting. And when you look at the draft stream from last year, our day one stream and our day three streams were the two most popular because the Jets only had the second pick in the second round. And then we sat there for the rest of the two rounds, the whole second round <laughs> and the whole did. third round. And we're sitting on our thumbs. This year, you're talking two first round picks. I think there is a 100% chance the New York Jets are trading into the back end of the first. So you better be hanging out with us the entirety of the first round. And then the second right. round, if we don't, we got two early picks. Then you got the third round pick as well. Like this draft absolutely has me all sorts of excited because there's just so many possibilities and teams don't know which direction the Jets are going to go. And we have the world at our disposal. Greenman, what are your thoughts on this year's draft? Oh, uh, totally, man. What a great point. When we traded away our thirds, uh, you know, to move up for ABT, obviously we're happy with the player, but boy, oh boy, did that create a lull. Think about if we would have traded for Tyree Kill. We would have went from pick 10 to pick 111, 101. You want to talk about staring at each other's bored faces the whole day. <laughs> We would have had a complete day. Now, my thoughts are that if Joe Douglas made that trade, he's already got some trade back accent, you know, action going on. He's going to make it happen. But, dude, like you said, man, two top 10 picks and the potential of trading back into the first. The next day, we start with two picks in the first six picks. Like, so we are. And then the next day, like in the third round, we have another top uh, five pick in the third round too. So we have a lot to be excited about. Like what B Trav is talking about. You are on the edge of your seat. Like last year we had two firsts and we were excited because I mean, before the draft, it was like, should we keep Darnold? Should we, should we call it a day with Sam Darnold? And once we traded him, it was like, okay, the jets are 99% grabbing a quarterback and it's 99% Zach Wilson. Right. But the other pick we didn't know, but we knew that. So it takes a lot of the the guessing out of it. Right now, we have no idea. There are people thinking that we're going to go cornerback at four. There are people thinking we're going to go offensive tackle at four. There are people thinking edge rusher. Then within the edge rusher group, you have people saying Thibodeau. You got people saying Jermaine Johnson or Trayvon Walker. And I'm telling you, Aiden Hutchinson is sliding, and that's mm -hmm. who we're taking. So it's, you know, it's going to be nuts. And then right after that, we got another fucking pick. So it's like, it's crazy. <laughs> it's going to be exciting. You should be excited, B-Trav. I'm excited too. I'm ready, man. This is going to be the best. Hell yeah. And you look at the lineup of guys we got coming on to hang out with us. Aside from just you, me, and Matt, we've got NY Jets today. We got Joe Blewett, Robbie Sabo, Sack Exchange, uh, Richie from Jets Media. We got... Uh, Ali from NY, uh, or sorry, from uh, Loyal NY Jet fans. Uh, who else we got? We got Luke Grant coming on. I think we got, uh, you know, from Play Like a Jet. Who else? Uh, Jake Asman's dropping in. Yeah, we got we got a bunch of people over the course of the weekend. So you guys absolutely should be hanging out with us. Uh, so yeah, we're excited. Charles drops in with super chat. Says, Hey Ryan and Greenbean, my ideal first round is Edge. Karloftis and corner Sauce Gardner. Really interesting. So green. I'm sorry. Yeah. So 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 well, like interesting, right? Like, so is it Car? How would you feel if we took Karloftis at four? I think I'd love Karloftis. I like Karloftis, but I think for me, I would have to see three edge rushers go ahead of me to really feel comfortable 
taking Karloftis at four. Like, I, I like him, no questions, but if we took him ahead of Jermaine Johnson, Trayvon Walker, KT, and, like, only Hutch was there, I'd probably be, a, you know, I'd, I'd be questioning it a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. Corner at, look, if, if you can get Sauce Gardner at 10, I would 100% sign up for it. That is my dream scenario. I really feel strongly that you're going to have to take him at four if you want him, but... I no, I think he's going to be there. I think he's going to be. I think there's a good shot that he'll be there at yeah, 10. I th- so I think the only way he winds up being there at 10 is, is if we're let's let's walk it through this way. Let's say O-line at one, quarterback at two. Uh, let's say the first edge rusher at three or, or, or tackle, okay. whatever you whatever you think they go. Now the Jets right, go right. their edge rusher at four. At five, the Giants go O-line. Six, the Panthers go quarterback or O-line. Seven is where the Giants could go secondary because I think that is a very mm. critical need for them could. because Bradbury could be leaving. So I think uh, Sauce could go at seven. If he doesn't and Hamilton hasn't gone yet, I could see Hamilton at seven because I do think secondary in general for the Giants is incredibly important. So so Hamilton there is not that uh, jarring for me. At eight with the Falcons, you could see them go wide receiver. And then when you look at the the Seahawks that's where it's like okay do they go corner because we took DJ Reed from them or do they go tackle do they go quarterback like I don't know where it goes but you could see a situation where sauce is available at 10 but a lot of people are talking about him being a top three talent in this class and that has me concerned for him falling all the way down to 10 um and for me if you like Stingley if you're if you're fine with the health I think Stingley and Sauce I'd be fine with at 10 if if the health checks out. But but Sauce is 100% the guy I want and if he makes it to 10 I would I would love it. I really would. Let me tell you this. If we took no number 1 Karloftis at 4, I I think that you're on to something. I think in order to take Karloftis at 4, a couple of the guys would have to already be gone. Like I I just find it hard to believe that Karloftis is number 1 on their board. Mm-hmm. As much as I like him, and I'm fairly confident that the Jets like him too. He's got, he's just got their kind of game, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, um, because he's a smart player too, and they like that. Um, so I think uh, if in the event we do take Karloftis, I will be very, very happy as long as we don't pass on maybe a, a Hutchinson, um, you know, something like that. But so if we're at if we take Karloftis at four and then Sauce and Hamilton, or any edge at four for this matter, but if you're if, if Hamilton and Sauce are there at 10, that's when I would be finally like hot and bothered about Hamilton. Because and I think that the Jets will take him over Sauce Gardner. That's what I think. Now maybe I'm wrong. I reserve the potential to be wrong, but I would be ecstatic. If we took a good edge rusher at four and we got Kyle Hamilton at 10, which I don't think he's going to be there. I think he'll be gone. I would lose my friggin' marbles, Ryan. I would lose it. I'd be so happy. Uh, Bumtaz drops in with another super chat. He says, Wilson, London, Williams, Burks, Alave, Dotson are not falling to second round. So if we wait till 35, we need to be sure remaining guys are good. So let's say those four, what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six guys are not there. I still like Christian Watson. I still like George Pickens. I still like Alec Pierce. I still like uh, David Bell. 
am I missing someone? I, I might be missing someone there, but like, I, so that's what I, I, I picked an extra four guys. So that's what one, two, three, four, five, six. That's 10 guys that I said are really good. I don't see 10 guys going before pick 35. That would mean a third of the draft is devoted to wide receiver. And I just don't see that happening. So like green and I have kind of been saying wide receiver in the second, there's a ton of value. I just value mm-hmm. the idea of trading up a little bit into the first to leapfrog two teams that I think could take wide receiver. So that way you get a little bit more options to go with and you get the fifth year option, which is a $15 million savings. If you try to resign that guy on a second term contract, uh, right. green bean, your thoughts. Yeah. And that's the logic for it. And again, like you just got to look at like, are those things like if you think that the chiefs and the uh, Packers are definitely going wide receiver, which in my opinion is likely, right? I think they're likely going to do that. And you have like, you know, it's, it's getting to that point in the draft where you're like, okay, I really want this receiver now. Um, then maybe it is worth a fourth round pick or, or even a third round pick to jump up. But that, but you have to consider that heavily. Like who can we possibly get at the third or fourth round pick? And then, you know, weigh that all out. Uh, that said, yeah, I mean, I think that's the argument. Like there's a conversation going on all night in the chat about anybody who doesn't want a wide receiver at 10 somehow thinks that Zach Wilson doesn't need a wide receiver. Like no one is saying that. What we're saying is that you could more than likely get very, very similar impact from the wide receiver that you can get at 35 or a slight trade up to 28, 26, whatever it is. Um, and and not have to take the wide receiver at 10 and you can get another position and one of your best wide receivers. So that's the way to maximize a draft. Just like, you know, uh, you know, just taking guys at, at your picks, that's fine and all, but there are GMs that know how to maximize the value of the draft. And that's what we want to see. If it's possible, we want to see a GM that is aggressive, that knows how to build the team through the draft rather than just sitting and waiting and just taking guys like as long as we hit, there's nothing wrong with that. But again, if you can play it the right way and be able to get your linebacker, your tackle, your center, your safety and still get your wide receiver, then that's the way to go. It's that's the way to go. Uh, Kramer, uh, industries. Thank you so much for the super chat, brother. Uh, says I want Horvath out of Purdue fullback prospect. Perfect for LaFleur's offense. Great hands, shifty and elusive for his size plus blocker as well. Fullback is kind of the forgotten position in the NFL. And I think there's a few teams, the 49ers, the jets, the, uh, Maybe the Ravens that value that position. Look, I don't know where he winds up going. I don't know him at all. I'll be honest. Do you know anything about him, Greenbean? Um, um, who is this? Uh, no, no, I really don't. You know, in fairness, I don't look at the fullbacks all that much. Like I, yeah. t- that's that's a. I'm just being honest. You know, like I just I don't end up looking at those guys too much. Um, so I would. I don't really have too much to say. A great hand shifty illusion. Yeah, I mean, I think they just re-signed Bauden, and I think they're happy with him most likely. I, I don't know if we'd see them use a, a draft pick, but maybe as an undrafted free agent. Hey, why not? Thomas Cahill drops in. Oh, Wait, can I just say, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I want to do something real quick. I want to just sure. take a minute for the guys that that don't think you can get wide receivers at at thirty five. I just want to go over the last couple years drafts and just look at the first ten picks of the second round, which is where we are this year. Okay. Yep. So in two thousand nineteen, um. At pick 36, which is right between where we are, that's where Debo Samuel was grabbed. And Nikhil, well, I'm sorry, uh, he was a first. Um, and the next wide receiver in that draft happened to be A.J. Brown, and that was at 51 in uh, in that draft. Debo was definitely a second. No, 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 no. Debo, I'm, I was going to say Nikhil Harry. I, I was going to, oh, but I anyway, you, he, was the, he was the final first-round pick. Because I didn't remember him as a second. I was like, oh, shit, Nikhil. But so yeah. just in the 2019 draft, the top three wide receivers taken in the second round, and one of them was dead smack where we are, was Debo Samuel. The next wide receiver was A.J. Brown, and the one after him was Mecole Hardman. Okay? So that's who we're getting. Uh, they, that, that's 2019. Now, 2020... The top wide receivers taken in the second round, it started with pick one in the second round. The first two picks in the second round went like this. T. Higgins and Michael Pittman, okay? That was pick 32 and 33. And then LaVishka Chenault was, was down there at 42, uh, who I still think is has uh, got a, so much talent. I still like him so much. He had 60-something catches last year. I don't know who's calling him a bust. Uh, people were calling him a bust on my timeline the other day. I'm like, yeah, when the yeah, fuck is a Jets agree. receiver had 60, 60 receptions? Uh, so now 2021, uh, we know him very, very well. It was Elijah Moore. He was pick 33, and there's not really another wide receiver taken for a while in the uh, second, but the next one was Rondell Moore. And then we had guys like Tutu Atwell and Terrace Marshall, who we all like. So I'm just telling you, even though, and last year's wide receiver class was so much, the last two years were so much stronger. So there's that. But when you look at this wide receiver class, guys like Drake London, Garrett Wilson, I'm telling you right now, the highest that they would be in the last two years drafts are wide receiver four. More than likely, in my opinion, Wide receiver five. And, and you and I did this the other day when you look at, um, you know, whoever. But, like, these guys, I'm, we're not saying that they're not good wide receivers. But when you look at them in, in in the last two years draft, if they're wide receiver four, five, six, seven, why this year are you forcing a top ten pick on these guys? Mm -hmm. Like, they wouldn't be with stronger wide receivers there. So you more than likely can wait till 35 and 38 and at least use one of those picks on a wide receiver and get guys like Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, Elijah Moore, uh, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman. Like those are the guys that are coming in the second round the last few years. So that's the point. So, and you know, when people say like, if you want to wait that you don't want to give wide receiver weapons, you think fucking anybody's complaining about AJ Brown or Debo Samuel. I mean, shit, Jets fans want to trade three and four picks for these guys mm -hmm. now. And you could have just taken them in the second round. So this is what, this is really the foundation of the argument. Sorry, 100%. I didn't mean to derail anything. I just wanted to no, give that. No, no, no. That we're going to get to that again in a second. Cahill drops in and says, we'll grow our own big name. So you don't have to have to sign big names will grow our own and i 100 agree with that yeah this is a comment that i saw drop in and i completely agree with him he says jalen tolbert bo melton sky moore and john mechie are all options 
on day two. So there are a lot outside. These are these are four guys I didn't even bring up in players that I would consider in the second round. And you're talking, you know, if I was saying eight to ten players, this is you know, 14. So like maybe don't even touch a trade up. The only reason I'm saying trade up is because you get to leapfrog a few teams that want receiver and you get the fifth year option. I think that's, right. that's the critical part there. Uh, we got our boy Ali dropping in the chat. What's up, bro? Hey, yo, what's Ali? up, Ali? Ali's going to be hanging out with us uh, for day two or three of the, the draft. We're going to get his, some of his thoughts on how the draft is unfolding. Uh, Fonz. A uh says <laughs> <laughs> throwback yeah, right? nice uh yeah. it says resign keeling cole kt will be gone by four i say go sauce at four and either johnson or Loftus at 10 monitor wide receiver market till the trade deadline wide receiver in the second um well the trade deadline isn't until the end of october beginning of november so i think that's too late to to worry about uh, the wide receiver market. But I do think if you were talking about a trade deadline in the first, second, third round, something like that, where teams might be like, hey, oh no, we have Debo Samuel. He's not resigning. He's irritated. AJ Brown doesn't want to hang out with us. You know, okay, let's trade him for some picks. Then yeah, I understand that. And you could monitor that. If you want to pull Debo Samuel and you think he's a rock solid player and you want to give up two second round picks to get him. Okay. I'm fine with that. I get it. Uh, it's better than a lottery ticket. Now, as far as re-signing Keelan Cole, I, that's probably something I would do after the draft if for some reason we swung and missed in the draft. Um, KT being gone by four, I think, is entirely possible. I think he can go one, two, or three in front of us, and it wouldn't shock anyone. Um, and then there's also people who think KT might fall out of the top ten. So, I, I look, personally, I hope he goes before us because... I have a few concerns about him. I'm, I'm a little worried, right. and I would hate to pass on him and have the Giants get the next coming of Ladani or uh, not uh, Lawrence Taylor or something crazy like that. So if he's in front of us, no problem. I'm all right with that. Um, as far as Sauce at four and Johnson at ten or Carl Loftus at ten, I'm I'm a hundred percent there with that. As long as the Jets value Johnson and Carl Loftus ahead of, you know, the edge rusher that may inevitably go to the Giants at seven. Um, or, or any other pick in between us and, and you know, four and ten. I think edge is so important that you should take the guy you covet at four unless you value a bunch of them. Greenbean, your thoughts on uh, Fonzie's statement here. Um, well, you know what's funny? Like, with what you're saying, I hope uh, Thibodeau is gone before four because you don't even want the temptation. You don't even want the the issue, mm -hmm. right? It's like, yeah. I don't even want it. I don't want to have to do that. It's a cop-out. Um, it's a cop-out, but, I look, I, I want it. I'm sorry, like... It is. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's very possible. Again, we don't really know what GMs are thinking. We hear leak after leak after leak. And the truth is, man, some of these organizations do leak. The Jets don't. We know that now. They used to leak all over the place, but they don't. Um, they don't leak anymore. So anything we're hearing about what the Jets like or don't like, they're making it up. They're putting pieces together. They're trying to craft their own opinions. Um, you know, they're they're making it up. We heard this year the Jets are in negotiations with Marcus Williams, and then that we heard that Marcus Williams wanted them to pay more than the Ravens, and then we turned. Then it turned out that the Jets never offered him anything. Hmm. So it's like, well, so what are we hearing? What, we, for two days, we're all reacting and freaking out and everything, and, and then it turns out, oh no, by the way, that wasn't real. You know, so we don't know what's really going to happen now. If you look at Sauce at four, 
that alone, I just don't think, and I could be wrong, I don't mm-hmm. think cornerback is a need on this team. Run it back with the cornerbacks that we have. We 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 used a whole season getting these guys their bumps, overcoming their hurdles so they learn the system. Let's give them what they need to succeed, and that is a pass rush and some over-the-top help. Dude, we were decimated at safety last year. Decimated. We were, we were playing guys that we signed couple days earlier they were starting for us elijah riley uh, wild goose all these guys we even took cornerbacks and put them back there like pinnock you know what i mean so if we get them some legitimate safety help and we we have a good start with jordan whitehead we re-signed lamarcus joiner uh so he's you know we have some you know uh, a little bit of a safety blanket there but if you get them a legitimate pass rush and legitimate safety help, somebody that can actually cover the whole field back there, be a, a one high safety and pick off the ball. Net, these cornerbacks, they look like they're good enough to me. Like Bryce Hall had 16 passes defense. He wasn't getting burned all over the place. He wasn't perfect. He's the first year in this system. He's trying to figure it out. We're all our defense is, is all over the place. There's no pass rush. Let's see what Bryce Hall, Brandon Eccles, DJ Reed, and, and Michael Carter II can do with the rest of the defense. I don't see that love with, you know, the 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 one part of our defense that was kind of good, solid. We want to stir it up there when we have fucking holes everywhere. We have no linebackers. We have no edge. So that's the thing for me. I get the love for the guy, but I don't see the need for the guy. Um, but yeah, that's where I that's where I stand with that. So you brought up an interesting point, like, oh, there's these players that the Jets are potentially going after. Oh, we can't get them. Oh, they didn't pick us. Oh, we didn't even offer them a contract. That's what the Jets are. The Jets are a leverage for every other team. There's a reason why Tyreek Hill is being talked about. Tyreek Hill was never signing a contract with the New York Jets because he wanted to go to Miami. I guarantee what happened was Kansas City said, hey, you can seek a trade. The New York Jets were like, hey, we'll offer you this. And the Kansas City Chiefs were like, hey, yeah, we will take that. And then they went to Tyreek Hill, and he's just like, well, I'm not signing with the Jets. Like, hey, Miami, I would like to be with you. Can you offer something comparable? I would love to be there. And that's what happens with the New York Jets right now because our taxes are too high, our our quarterback is unproven, and the you know the media is a, you know, a, a tough thing to deal with. And guys just have their own opinions on where they want to be. There's guys that don't want a big market. There's guys that want to be closer to home. Um, so, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, Cherung drops in. He says, I worry free agents just don't like our new uniforms. (laughs) And I know we have only one with the uniform Ryan is wearing. Uh, Not too early to go back on the change. Ha. Um, As weird as that sounds, I I don't think that there is, I think because there's such a premium on on contracts in the NFL and, and shelf life and everything like that, I don't think the uniforms play a you know, much of a factor at all. Maybe if like the top yeah. of the top guys are like, Hey, I can go anywhere I want. And like the jets uniforms are ugly, then okay. I'm hoping That's the funny. jets change. Uh, look, I'm hoping the jets change the uniforms up a little bit. I don't hate the logo. I actually, I like that logo a lot. I would say I like that yeah. logo more than this logo, but I like this Jersey more than I like our new jerseys. Um, I still love the old swoosh logo. That's why I have it in my logo, uh, for the channel itself. Yeah. Like that's the one well, I you want know to see what? come back. Me too. I mean, you know, but the thing is, we I think there's I think we have to keep these uniforms for a minimum of five years. We Isn't do, that true? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, so the we have for a to second keep them. uniform, 
We, we, that this starts year. this year, right? Yeah. Oh. So I'm hoping like my favorite uniform ever is the one you're wearing. That mm -hmm. to me is the cleanest. It's classy. It, the most of our success happened with that uniform on. Like I have a lot of positive associations with it, but I like the uniform. I remember when Parcel switched to it, I was mm -hmm. psyched. I'm like, yes, the white helmets. Weeb Eubank always used to talk about the white helmets being a benefit to the quarterback. Seeing white helmets running across a green field is helpful. So uh, anyway, I like that. But I think if we go with that third, you know, that that old that alternate uniform, I'm really hoping that it's the '90s uh, one with the swoosh, like you're saying. It it could really all you got to do is change the helmet, and you can wear the rest of the uniform. It seems like oh, an yeah. easy fix to me. Right. Yeah. If you get the, like, let's keep the green of the helmet, add the white with the swoosh and, you know, maybe take away those like weird, like triangle looking points that come out on the shoulders, go back with the stripe over the top. Like, like there's a lot of things I like, like, I don't hate the green. I don't like the black's fine. I think the white is sharp. I would have loved to see an F 16 gray added into the mix. Like that should have been you know, almost more than the black, honestly. I like, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I I haven't found a player that I absolutely have fallen in love with that I want to spring and get the New Jersey. I did do that with Jamal Adams and it bit me in the butt real hard. Uh, I would <laughs> say Braxton Berrios is the one for me if I'm going to like get a New Jersey right now. And I know he's only on a two-year contract, but there's something about him taking a lower contract to stay with the New York Jets that I just... I love it. It reminds me of a Wayne Corbett just because the you know sort of the type of player he is and the uh, you know the scrappy kind of like okay this guy's a low level uh, player. We got him off waivers. Corbett came in off you know a walk on you know at Hofstra. I think for me that's that's might be the player that I'd go with and and would get me to spring to buy a jersey. But I just want to see a player that's worthy of getting a second contract before I. I spring for that next one because I wind up getting burnt on jerseys like way too often. I had a Sam Darnold jersey. I had a yeah. Adams jersey. I had a Sheldon Richardson jersey. <laughs> like it's just I, I'm picking the wrong guys every time. Yeah. Well, uh, let me let me say, I don't think that players aren't going to come here for the uniforms. So let me let me just say that I wanted to say something yeah. with what you just said, but I lost my fucking train of thought already. That was so fast. I was I'm like, sorry. hey, and I already forgot it. <laughs> well, Berrios, I'm saying the, the pinstripes, the jet logo on the side, F-16 fighter jet gray. I don't know. I'm trying to trying to no, jog. I like the green. I, I mean, I like the green, though. I mean, I'm a big green. Green has always been the Jets to me. I would hate to see us change to gray. I get what people are saying. Like, uh, there's nothing green with the Jets, like with actual Jets. Yeah. I get it. They could paint them green if they wanted, but uh, I don't know. I just think green is our color, and we should do that. But as far as the, I I get what people. I don't like the the shoulder wings. Those things, yeah. like I don't, very I don't, I don't like Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Yeah, right. It does. Like I just, I'm not into that. But if they don't bother me, like they bother a lot of other people. Some people get. Mm -hmm. Like really upset over it, but I hope we do the right thing with. Uh, I don't. I just don't want to see the damn Titans helmet be our alternate. Yeah. Like that makes oh, no that sense would burn to me. me up. I don't like the Titans. The, like the the color oh, is just blue. like it's like a it's blue and mustard. <laughs> it's like I don't like mustard. Yeah. I just I don't want to see it. I like I don't even like the color yellow generally. And like anyway, like 
I don't know. I just, I, I get it's a gold or something like that, but it's just, it, it doesn't, yeah. there's some nostalgia to it. I get it, but not for me. Like I've, been only, I've only been a fan. No. I've been born, I was born in 89. So it's been the, the, the 80s, 90s swoosh logo. It's been this and it's been our new jerseys. That's all I've known. Totally. I mean, think about it. You know, the, we, we were the Titans for three years. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. We've worn every other logo more. Why can't we go back to one of those for the alternate? Why do we got to go blue and fucking gold? What is that? Like, to makes... remember the Titans. That, well, that's just it. It's like, I don't want to remember the Titans. I want to remember, like, the right. Jets. The Jets. That's what I, that's what I want to remember. Uh, exactly. Charles drops in. He says, while I don't mind the new uniforms, I prefer the old ones. And I think that's exactly where, where Green Bay and I were going. <laughs> David says, I emailed you a Jersey concept that I like. All right, let, let's, let's take a look real quick. I'm guessing it's something similar to what you and I are talking about. There was, there was a, a uniform that I think Matt had shared at one point that was really impressive. And it was, it was very similar to that. Oh, I got a few Jersey concepts. So I'll, I'll look at a few of them. All right, let me see if I can pull it up. Oh yeah, this is, this is kind of where we're going. Let me see if I can show that uh, without it getting too squirrely. Come on. Hmm. So he's got the old uh, jet swoosh, the green. You get you change the lines on the uh, on the jersey, so it's just on the sleeves. It's not actually over the top. Uh, white pants, green shoes. Yeah, I like that one. And then I had one other one. What was the other one? The other one was uh, David Bloomberg. Oh, he sent me the exact same thing. <laughs> so two guys sent me back to back the same jersey. Woody Johnson, if you're paying attention, Jet fans want the old swoosh. They want. The yes, swoosh we do, back. Woody. Uh, Ian. Tyler drops in. He says, if KT is gone at four, draft Icky or Neal and trade Fant for a mid-rounder. Fant is pushing 30 and is up for a new contract. Number 77 was never coming back uh, from the injury. Dude, I I like Duke Mayweather, uh, Makai Becton's trainer coming out and just, you know, he said, there's no way he was coming back after four or eight or 10 weeks. Like this was a serious injury. Makai Becton is lifting like an animal. He's going to come back and he's going to ragdoll dudes. I'm, I'm really excited to see what's going to happen with him. The whole Fant thing has me concerned because I do think the Jets should take a developmental tackle in this draft. At some point, I don't think I would do it in the third round, um, but I would say fourth or fifth round. Joe Douglas should be able to earn his, his uh, draft status of being an offensive line scout and be able to get one of these guys in the later rounds. And you, you you let him sit for a year behind Fant, or make a move with Fant at the trade deadline for a team that lost their left tackle, their right tackle that needs a pick. If you think Fant's not going to resign, <laughs> I would love to resign Fant. Look, uh, Joe Douglas had Jason Williams or uh, Jason Peters in Philadelphia. The guy played till he was like 38 years old. I think I don't know if he's still playing. He might even be on the on the Bears or something like that right now. I think his last place I saw him go. Guy is incredibly old. They had they drafted. Um, Oh, God, who was the guy they took at pick, like, 20 or 21 that same year? And then they had Lane Johnson still. So, look, I, I think tackle is an incredibly p- important position for Joe Douglas. And Fant, I think, has a lot of love for the New York Jets organization because we took a chance on him being a swing tackle. We made him our right tackle, then moved him over to left tackle when Becton got hurt, and he played really well. So if he's willing to accept a contract, look, if he's looking for a monster deal, I can understand the Jets not wanting to sign him to that because of the potential dip off, you know, being at 30 years old. Uh, but I think tackle is one of those positions that you can have, you know, 35, 36 years old if you have the right talent. It's just a matter of, of how much you're willing to risk. 
I would not take Icky or Neal at the top end of this draft because I don't think it's worth taking a backup, uh, or not even a backup, but an insurance policy when that is the the strength of your team. And I see Ian Tyler uh, commented, Andre Dillard, that was the player I was uh, thinking about for the Eagles. So Greenbean, your thoughts on if KT is gone, taking one of the offensive guards slash tackles uh, and trading Fant for a mid-rounder. Yeah. Well, with all due respect, Ian, I think this is a very, very silly plan where teams, if they did this every year, couldn't be successful. Like, we have a complex offensive line system. We saw it last year. It took our entire offensive line, like, till week six or eight to even get their heads out of their asses and start to be able to pick up stunts. Don't forget, Zach was the most pressured, hurried, and sacked quarterback in the NFL for the first quarter of the season. So... We finally have a guy who's settled in, we know is good, and you want to trade him and take a crapshoot on a on a draft pick. And we have a 22-year-old tackle who was a first-round pick and mauled people his whole rookie year. Like, I, I don't, like, this is not the way. You want to actually keep people. You don't want to trade starting tackles for a fourth round pick. It just it doesn't make any any sense. Now, I understand bringing in a guy because fans 30, you want to bring in a guy in the fourth round, fifth round and let him kind of learn and develop all year so we have the opportunity like if fan is gone, we can move on from him. That makes sense. But you don't want to just as soon as you get a guy who's good, we want to cut him and or trade him. It just like dude this is just this is what's kind of this is where we go all wrong man we want to fire everybody we want to cut and trade everybody like when do we keep some players and build a team man like when does that happen fant was one of the better left tackles in the league last year let's keep him that's my thought ziff drops in he says there's a uniform kelly green with a cross between this uniform and the classic jets with the number 33 on it it's awesome. I believe I know which one you're talking about because I do like the Kelly Green. Uh, I like the Hunter Green personally the most. I think there's a, there's something really cool about the the darker green. Um, but yeah, if you could add the swoosh to it, dude, I am all all about it. Uh, so Green Bean, we have reached the end of our stream here, and oh my we didn't gosh, pick a t-shirt winner. We didn't do qualifiers the entire time, so I'm gonna let Nightbot pick one person and that's going to be our winner for tonight's stream wow how interesting yeah, i know right because you know i just kind of like i didn't have the mental bandwidth to do that so conscious uh zg conscious yep spell that right conscious zg you are our t-shirt winner tonight drop me an email uh, let me get your information, and we will talk, uh, you know, sending you a shirt. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you guys haven't signed our card for Gitmo Bob, Gitmo, I saw you in the chat today. Hopefully you're feeling a lot better. We have a, a card for Gitmo Bob. He's going through a little bit of a rough patch there. Uh, but it looks like he, he's feeling a little bit better there. Sign that card. We're going to email that to him so he can see everything. If you are going to sign the card, go to the next page. Don't sign on the first page because I can't move comments to a following page so we got like the first page is littered with like jumbled up letters and i'm trying to like move them into like the right spots and, and all that good stuff um but green bean it's been a lot of fun any last yes. thoughts for our panel here tonight yeah i'll just say this guys in the chat and jets fans around you get real stuck on your one idea it's a good idea to at least consider 
ulterior, not ulterior, but um, alternative thoughts. That's how we create well-rounded opinions, everybody. You consider other thoughts and you process it all together. And maybe just maybe your idea isn't the greatest idea in the whole wide world. Imagine that. I know that's tough. That's my advice for everybody today. You'll find that life gets significantly easier when you're not at war all the time. And I'd like to remind you, we got the Thursday thick of it this week on Thursday night at Green Bean Jets Fan, 8 p.m. Be there or not. I love it. Chat. Yes. We love you guys. We have the best community in all of Jets YouTube and, and the whole Jets fan base. I really enjoy the conversations you guys have over there. Inspire some of the conversation that winds up happening over here. Uh, so really does mean a whole lot. Uh, but boys, it's been a lot of fun. My name is Ryan. This is Jets Talk signing off. J-E-T-S.